This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Yeah, another edition of the opening kickoff. Welcome in here on a Tuesday. Appreciate y'all getting up early with us. It's uh, Sports Radio 105.5 FM, WNSP, and WNSP.com. Well, we got another full show um, all lined up for you and encourage you to take part at 694-1055 and, of course, in the app at WNSP.com. Hey, Lee. Mark, about the most exciting thing that I got out of last night's Giants-Seattle game was... Ma Meatloaf. Yeah. That was about the only thing I got excited about. You know it's going to be a good show Meatloaf. when Lee is all, he beat me to the movie reference. I'm sorry. No, it's all, it's all good. You Anytime, do, your, do yours. No. Ma, the Meatloaf. Yeah, you better than me. Yeah, uh, Will Ferrell what is, what is was on doing? the- I never know what she's doing. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, that's right. Will Ferrell was on the uh, Manning cast, and quite frankly, it was a dull, dull game, especially if you're a Giants fan. Your quarterback gets sacked. 10 times, uh, and then the backup gets sacked once. So 11 sacks, no offense, 97-yard return for Seattle, reminiscent of the uh, Legion Boom defense of years ago for Seattle. But they had Will Ferrell on the Manicast, and, and they were going, they were basically diving into his uh, wedding crashers about the meatloaf. Yeah. It's a great scene. Yeah, oh, it is, yeah. yeah. And they were, like, I think I missed when Eli said it, but I heard Will Ferrell. Uh, yeah. When he was on, uh, I guess they were comparing, and and I think Will Ferrell said, "Eli, you you don't do it quite correctly because you 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 got to hit it hard. You can't let it go out. You know, you can't let it go lengthwise. You got to hit it hard." Yeah. Uh, Will Ferrell, he's uh, I you know, the Manning cast is perfect for a game like that because it's really hard to get inter- It's hard to be entertained. I, I've said this before. Is I love. The Manning cast, when it's a game I don't really care about. If I want to watch the game and I need to pay attention, I'm not watching the Manning cast because it's too distracting. i got to watch the game. But whatever. But we'll the thing about the, the Manning cast is no matter who they have on, they'll always go back to pop culture. Things that, let's say, the guest is famous for or was, uh, let's say, made a mistake or made fun of uh, on, uh, on social media. And Will Ferrell. Look, I like Will Ferrell in, in, in most of his movies. And I think there was a reference to Elf yesterday, too, wasn't I'm there? I'm sure there was. But I will say this. He's not the most exciting guest on the Dan Patrick show. Uh, but that's, you know, maybe that is per- he's very low-key uh, when he's off air. But I thought he was a little more animated yesterday. Uh, like I said, the game certainly did not strike up, uh, you know, any cowbells to, cowbells to cheer, for sure, because yeah. it was kind of a boring game. And, it, and, and if you think that was a bad game, Anybody going to subscribe to Thursday night's mm. Amazon game between Washington and the Chicago Bears? Ooh. Huh? Just Pony us, up? Just us fantasy folk. I mean, that's even a reason that you might even turn to baseball playoffs. Might be the last game of the Matt Eberflus era in Chicago. Ooh. First Can't, coaching change of the uh, of the season, we think. Very much very much possible. Is that a, is that a name that strikes fear in opponents, Eberflus? <laughs> Did you see, Lee, the uh, Eberflus getting peppered with questions about Chase Claypool because he's, like, away from the team this yeah, week? The w- it was bad. Yeah, and look, I know he's a 
a very fine receiver, but would he make any difference with that team? No, he wouldn't, and I think, you know, he's causing problems in the locker room, and so it, he's away from the team. I, I don't get – I mean, Iberflus opened his press conference and took 20 straight questions about Chase Claypool. I don't I don't get why he you, didn't just say, you, you know, I'm not person, taking questions. Excuse me. You may be the first person on this show to even mention his name, Iberflus. Yeah, I mean – you know, it's fun. It's a fun word to say. It is. I I, I uh, won't Platypus. be surprised if in your Friday scoreboard we find out Matt Eberflus was <laughs> was was relieved of his duties. Eberflus, Eberflus from Eberflus. the Chicago Bears. I think of Platterpus, Eberflus. Yeah. Yeah. They they might be distant cousins. All right. The guy's been coaching in the in football for 32 years, and his one head coaching shot was with Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears, and it's not going to work out for him. Baseball today, Mark. Playoffs begin four games today. A couple of baseball notes quickly. Uh, attendance, kind of at like an all-time high. They went over 70 million. They say it's because of the pitch clock, which to the average nine-inning game, two hours, 40 minutes, a decrease of 24 minutes. The team that led in violations, in other words, if you don't you know, get in there and Take your cuts, or if a pitcher takes too long, the Mets had 57 violations. They led the league. Uh, we had a managerial firing. Phil Nevin of the Angels is out. But I got a good good story for you. All right. This is, this is when I saw this, it had Markheim written all over it. Really? All right. I want you to check it out. And okay. it, it, it flashed up this morning. I think it was on SI.com. A high school referee in Texas. Seems like we always go to Texas for these crazy stories with officials and players. High school ref in Texas ripped off a player's helmet Sure. after the player accidentally bumped into him during a Friday night game between Whitney and Dallas Madison. The player, his father is the coach of the team. All right? Now, in addition to ripping off this kid's helmet, he threw a flag, penalized the kid, and ejected him. After he after, after yeah. the kid accidentally ran into him, he threw out the coach's son. Needless to say, mom wasn't too happy. So he literally um, is there is there video of this guy taking did, taking the kid's helmet off? I think there is. Uh, I tried to find it this morning. I kind of went quickly and. I, I I did I looked at it, but I didn't. Oh see yeah, there he is! Right, it. he did it in the middle it. of the play. Yeah, you got it. Okay. I can't believe it. Coach's son. Fantastic radio, me. Yeah, send that in the app, Mark. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Uh, r- right in the middle. Live so reaction. It looked like he was a a line a safety that came up in the middle of the field. Uh, quarterbacks looking for a receiver. He scrambles left, and all of a sudden, in the screen, in the frame, there's this. Referee literally tearing this guy's helmet off. And the referee and the, and the kid's like, what the hell? <laughs> all right, putting in the app for all you guys. So that's the uh, – and, and like I say, it seems like whenever we have these stories that come out of Texas with referees or players or incidences like that, gladly not here. I, I certainly hope that we don't have any a situation like that. So I do. I'd love story. to get that referee on and you know, ask him what he's thinking. Well, he may be thinking he's going to get penalized by the state in Texas because uh, – fired. The, exactly. Yeah, he he may not be uh, working anymore after uh, taking off this kid's helmet and so forth. By the way, when you take like you know, as you know, when the helmet comes off, you have to sit out and play. Of course, it didn't matter in this case because he ejected the kid. Yeah, don't mess with the referees, man. So that that's the story out of high school uh, football. 
Um, I got a golf story very quickly. Alabama golfer Nick Dunlap had a uh, 60 yesterday. They got a tournament up in New York area in the Hamptons. It's like only the 18th time uh, an NCAA golfer has ever had a 12 under 60. So, and we've talked about him before. He's he's quite the golfer up there at Alabama. So, uh, kudos to him. Um, also, uh, Alabama, Arkansas, early game, early game coming up October 14th. That's going to be an 11 a.m. game on ESPN. And then they're going to go with Auburn and LSU at night. And speaking about Auburn, anything you got out of the Hugh Freeze in town yesterday? He's a liar. No, not Hugh Freeze. (laughs) That that man knows what the schedule is going to be next year. And he let the cat out the bag earlier in the day. And he walked it back last night. Uh, That's what I got from it. That Auburn will not be playing Georgia. He misspoke. Somebody reamed him out pretty good about it. And then he walked it back with just a ridiculous explanation on why he said what he said. But it appears that we're 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 going to be missing out on one of the great rivalries in college football. Well, enjoy it next year because they do face each other in 2024 yeah. when they have the eight-game schedule. So his reference was to beyond, and the fact that he said there's a possibility. He hinted that uh, the series may not continue. When I they mean, he said, I don't mean interrupt. He said, "I'm going to miss this rivalry." So you clearly, he knows. You think he really would though, because. Lately, it's been nothing more than a loss. No, and he's only played in it once. I mean, he. Yeah, like it's not like it's been ingrained in him. No, I mean, I think he. I mean, the first year he played in it with the probably the worst Auburn team he'll have, it was, you know, a touchdown game and came down to the last minutes. I, I believe him when he says that. Okay, but I mean, he hasn't experienced that rivalry on the road. I mean, it's not like he's fully. Fair enough. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. I mean, I, I'd want to if, – if I were within a touchdown of the number one ranked team, I'd want to play them every year too. But it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to miss that rivalry. Anyway, the point is, is he spoke as if he knew, right, earlier in the day. And then it sparked a whole bunch of controversy. And then last night when he was here for the first and ten meeting, he was asked about it. And he kind of – he walked it back with, like, this really wordy – explanation i mean in the grand scheme of things it's not a huge deal like i, I mean I'm, I'm i'm exaggerating when i call him a liar but i don't clearly he knows yeah i don't i don't know though i don't think the schedule's been formulated yet because we don't even know if we're going to nine games or eight games in 2025 they might know i think i think they got these guys have a general idea and i, I would say agree. these guys uh, i mean i don't know if all coaches know but somebody at each program knows who they're who they're opponents are going to be and who those rivalry games are he spoke about it too casually and too can you speak casually and authoritative about uh, at at the same time i don't know he just i just got the sense that it was matter of factly like we all know we're we're missing out on this rivalry well you have your opinion i have mine i don't think he really has any insight i don't think anything will come out until the sec sends it out that's fair but like why why would he say what he did earlier like that i can't answer you why would he say the things he said before why would he when i was at a press conference years ago deny there was any wrongdoing with Ole miss well he was (laughs) there's a reason why you would deny that yeah i mean there's a reason there's a pretty clear reason all I'm saying is this: this there's no reason to lie about this. There's no reason to even bring it up. I just think he screwed up. 
I, I mean, I it's it's a it's a little white lie. I don't, it's not a big deal. No, it's not a big deal. I don't I don't have a problem with them saying, you know, I I'm not sure that this rivalry will continue. It was a great having this game, and uh, we we play it in 2024, so they're going to have at least one more game. And and it's not to say it'll die out. Even if they don't play every year, they'll still rotate. But he didn't say all that. He just said, I'm going to miss this rivalry. As if it's in the past. like no as, a, as in it being played every year in the past. It's not like they'd never play again. Right. But it's not like, man, I, I hope we don't lose this rivalry. I'm surely going to miss it. it w- no, it was, I'm going to miss this rivalry. Yeah. As if it's gone. All right. We've established he's a liar. No, that's, that's not a lie. That's called PR spin. That's what that is. All right, it's 617. Let's get you scoreboard traffic and weather. Uh, Michael Holland's going to join us next. Uh, we got some Chick-fil-A in this hour for you. Uh, we're going to talk to the head football coach over at uh, Baldwin County. David Green's going to be in this hour. Travis Ryer in hour number two. Jerry Palm. Got a great, great guest out of Oxford at 750. We'll tell you what that's all about. Dean Waite in hour number three. Gene Stallings. Man, we are loaded. In fact, I don't think we have an open segment the rest of the show. Off and running. Here we go. It's the opening kickoff. Hello, this is artist Daniel A. Moore. You are listening to WNSP Sports Radio. This one's picked. Back the other way, Witherspoon. Devin Witherspoon cuts back. What a night for the rookie. You think they love him in Seattle? How about... Six points. Touchdown, Witherspoon. No flags. You know what's uh, always fun about that play, uh, or plays like that when you're watching the Manning cast, is Peyton and Eli watch that as the quarterback that just threw that pass. Like, they are horrified. Regardless of the team, it's always fun to watch their their, their reaction and stuff like that. 97's a long way to go, but on Sunday we had a 99-yard return. The Panthers returned on Kirk Cousins, although the Panthers lost the game. Yesterday, Seattle won the game, and Daniel Jones spent much of his time on his back looking at the lights at MetLife Stadium. All right, uh, yesterday we announced that Miguel Frias, a Theodore, the place kicker with three field goals, was the Bryant Bank Player of the Week. Congratulations to him. We thank Bryant Bank. They team up with us. Michael Holland's the market president. He's on the line with us right now. Good morning, Michael. How are you doing? Hey, good morning, Lee. Good morning, Mark. You know, you have a very interesting topic today. What guidance do you have for listeners about foreign and domestic travel? I could add to that, make sure you have a passport, but you take it from there. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good tip, Lee. Uh, But the benefit of informing your banker is that it will help your card from being shut down or what we call hot-carded while you're purchasing out of your normal area. Uh, Banks and other financial institutions have fraud systems set up that will flag anything that's out of your normal purchasing radius. So if, if you are out of that area, say you're traveling to uh, along the East Coast to watch the leaves change or traveling to Europe and you have not informed your banker, chances are your car may get frozen. So inform your banker. The other benefit about calling and letting them know if you're traveling out of the country is your banker may be able to help you purchase some uh, foreign currency uh, in preparation for that trip. So when you travel outside that normal radius that you're in, 
let your banker know, financial institution know. They can put a uh, message on your card, and your car, you will be able to use it freely without it being shut down. So if you've got questions about activities like these and why it happens, uh, and it's again, it's a fraud prevention effort by banks, uh, get in touch with your banker, and specifically at Bryant Bank, you can reach us at 264-6575. You can check us out online at bryantbank.com or stop in at one of our four branches in South Alabama. We're located in Mobile, Daphne, Foley, and Orange Beach. Michael, thank you so much for what you do for high school football. I know coaches say that we get banked a lot, but I want to thank you because you certainly help us. Well, Lee, I appreciate you saying that, and I look forward to going to Theodore High School today and awarding that kicker, uh, Miguel Frias. Steve Mask will be there to greet you. All right. He sure will. Thanks, Lee. That's only the second time that the uh, Pigskin P crew has ever uh, given that honor to a, a special teams player. Uh, we talked a little Auburn with Hugh Freeze. We only got a minute here, but I wanted to make the point. Do you see where uh, the Alabama-Texas A&M game is a little personal for at least one A&M player? Isn't this getting a little boring? Anaya Smith. It's getting personal for everybody now is that that's the new word in town every game is personal yes. i'm with you lee on this one Isn't it get ridiculous i'm Michael? sick of it i am too it's personal why don't you just go shut up and play the game exactly shut up and dribble yeah yeah i'm with you michael i see that i saw that i passed over like who cares just Dion started it and now everybody, it's personal of course it's it's it's, it's a team game it's not about you Everybody has to get their their motivation from somewhere. You remember? Jordan used to just fabricate stuff. This game means a lot to Anaya Smith. Well, it should mean a lot to him. He's playing Alabama in, in a game that's going to decide the SEC West. I don't care that his brother was cut by the Alabama. Or, I, 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 whatever, whatever the story was, I didn't even read the story. I saw the headline on that's, Twitter. That's pretty much it. They wouldn't give me the outright release. They ultimately did, but... Oh, you know, no. They, Heaven forbid. Yeah. Give me a break. They'll, they'll probably be the first one to make a mistake. And, uh, he's a great player, admittedly. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, he's, player? Pro he's probably one of the best receivers in the SEC. But He'll probably drop his first pass, though. <laughs> Let's, we can only you hope know, so. Do you ever notice, though, the uh, players that are hyped up so big, and then when you get down to the game, things go badly for them? We'll see what happens. All right. I'm just saying he's motivated now, boys. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, would, I would hope he already won. is thicker than water. Yeah, it, it, it took uh, that to make it personal and to be motivated. Not playing Alabama is not motivation enough. You can never have too much motivation. All right. Uh, we're going to talk some high school uh, football next. And Lee's got some fried deliciousness for you. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Chick-fil-A <laughs> I could eat there seven times a day Where the people laugh and children play Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A Alright, boys and girls, here you go. Here's your sh daily shot of fried deliciousness. What do you have for us well, today, Well, first Lee? of all, this is, I guess, Tim Hawkins. Was this his claim to fame or 
Does he actually have albums out or anything like that? I don't know, but uh, you certainly give him more pub than he probably gets anywhere else. Well, it's very personal between him and me. I see what you did there. All right, so let's uh, get to the question now. Hugh Freeze was in town, and this has to do a little bit with Hugh Freeze. So far, he has started out his first year at Auburn losing his first two conference games. Who was the last Auburn football coach in his first year to lose his first two SEC games. Look at you going negative today, Auburn hater. <laughs> Give uh, Michael a call, 694-1055. I think uh, I've been spending too much time with Michael. <laughs> so Knew that was coming. <laughs> so anyway, let's talk some high school football. Scott Ryle is on the line with us right now. He's the head coach. Baldwin County, the Tigers, they got McGill coming Thursday. Scott, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Good morning, Leah Mark. I'm doing great. Thank you all for having me. Well, I know the record's not what you want, but I've noticed you've been involved in a lot of tight football games. Is this team about ready to turn the corner, maybe? We certainly believe so. Yeah, we had a tough one-point loss to Spanish Ford, and we lost to Theodore in overtime, uh, beat Blunt. We actually played Foley well. Um, we our, our kids have come a long way. We just, you know, had some tough, tough games, but um, we're we're uh, uh, hanging in there. Well, is there? A, you, can you point your finger? I mean, you 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 study these game films and so forth, and the fact that you're so competitive, but yet things aren't working out the way you want. Uh, you spotted a reason or two. Well, we uh, we have trouble. Sometimes finishing drives, we get things started and just can't finish. We had a few turnovers. We, uh, our kids are playing hard, but um, you know, sometimes you 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 just have some struggles that where you you uh, you just can't quite finish the game. And again, our kids have have hung tough. We're we've been proved tremendously pretty much week to week. We kind of had a setback this past week uh, um, with Mary G, but they got a really really great team. But anyhow. Um, I'm just proud of our fellows and the way we played and competed, and uh, we're looking forward to McGill this week, and it's a huge game for us. Thursday night game, right? Correct. Yeah, Correct. Why, why, we'll th- th- why Thursday? We have no school on Friday. So, basically, we're playing Thursday, and then we'll be off um, Friday. So, it helps our – you know, in high school, you have to have your teachers and your – Administration, everybody there with you, so it kind of helps that we'll go ahead and play on Thursday. So basically, it's it, y'all are playing on your Friday, which is awesome. Yeah, amen, brother. That's pretty nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure the students are, right. I'm sure the students appreciate that a three day weekend. Tell us about uh, McGill and uh, give us a preview of this game. How do you match up with? Okay, them? right, McGill. Um which uh, David Faulkner, he and I have been knowing each other for a while. He was an enterprise back when I was at Elba. And um, so we've been we've been friends a long time, and he's done a really good job with those guys. They won three in a row, uh, two out of the last three shutout wins. So they've done very well. The quarterback's good. they got a lot of good athletes, good players. McGill always, as y'all know, has really competitive and good teams and usually playoff teams and all that. So um, they uh, – They've got a good team. Like I say, they won three in a row, so we got our work cut out for for us. But we feel we feel like we can do some things. So we're very excited about the game. I haven't checked the six uh, A standings. I, I don't know if you're still in contention. So what are you playing for? Yeah. And you a few games okay. left to go. What are you playing for? 
Right. We are one and two. We did beat um, uh, Blunt. Uh, Blunt, but we lost to Spanish Fort, and we also lost another game to uh, – I think you uh, said Theodore. Theodore. Theodore, um, overtime. So we're one and two. So we can win this game. We'll be two and two. And we still have Sarah Land, Murphy, St. Paul's, and Robertsdale. So we feel like we can win this game. We got a, a good chance of move, uh, making the playoff. But if we lose this game, it's pretty much almost a impossible battle. But anyway, so this is a big game for us and them. So um, both of us have a lot on the line. We feel like a win in this game. And, you know, we can win three out of the next four at least would give us a chance to be in the playoffs. Scott Ryle joining us, head coach of Baldwin County. You know, in the past when we've talked, it seems like coaching wherever you've been is like a family affair. Do you still have any uh, relatives on the coaching staff, any sons? I do. My oldest son, Ryan, is our offensive coordinator. And then Reed Riles, my youngest boy, he uh, coaches special teams and our wide receivers coach. So, yeah, I got two of my guys with us, two of my boys with us and um. You know, that's pretty crazy sometimes, <laughs> but it's a, it's also good. We have a lot of, uh, you know, good times and a lot to talk about. So it's uh, interesting, at, I, I would guess, to say the least. So does he call the plays or do you call the plays? He calls them. He's the OC. When I hired him, he started with me at Satsuma in 2013. I've had him at Satsuma two years at Lou Byrne for five, and this is our fourth year here. So when I got him, I get pretty much got out of the play call and to give it to him, and he uh, um, he does it. He does all the work, and you know gets everything ready. So it's it's on him. You ever second guess his calls? <laughs> no, we have a, a lot of talk about the calls, you know, and and kind of um, leading up to the game and during the game. But no, you know, um, it's uh, I guess this thing uh, he he. Uh, he kind of handles it, you know, and I, I do everything I can to support our coaches. Ed Brown, who's our uh, defense coordinator, I'm telling you, he does a great job, too. And I I just throw all my support to those fellas and trust them and believe in what they do. So, you know, we have we have talks and we, you know, do things. But, I mean, you got to trust. If you're going to put your coaches in charge of those things, you got to let them do it. So when you when the kids were growing up, was it all about football? Uh, you being a coach and so forth, and getting them involved, or were they involved in other sports? Yeah, they were involved in other things. Ryan, he actually played football, basketball, baseball, ran track. Reed, he was a really good baseball player, track guy, um, uh, football. So yeah, they pretty much played everything. My daughter, she was a good athlete and wound up being a cheerleader at Troy. But um, she played softball and volleyball and all that. So. All three of my kids, they, they've been uh, they've been playing ball and running footballs in and out at the games as little kids, even in kindergarten and all that, you know. So they've been involved a long time and been around the ball fields, ballparks, and everywhere. So that's just kind of the life they knew. Scott, you never tried to talk your uh, sons out of coaching? Well, <laughs> I, I told them, I said, look, this is a, you know, a, a job that um, is really fulfilling, but it's a lot of work. And it's also, you know, you're going to get take it, have to take a lot of criticism and things like that. So you got to have some thick skin, but they, uh, they just hunker down in there and they've, they've enjoyed it. And um, I'm really proud of them. They've done a good job. Ryan's actually had some opportunities, you know, to be head coach or, you know, people talk to him, but he's enjoying being the OC and working here. And so anyway, uh, no, I hadn't really, you know, tried to talk them out of it, but um, I'm really proud of the career that they picked and, um, and the job that they do.
Well, I'm looking forward to the day that you're coaching against Reed. I'm sure it'll happen, maybe. That'd be great. <laughs> Scott? Well, that may be tough. But, <laughs> yeah, it's probably coming eventually. Scott, thanks for joining us. Good luck against uh, McGill Thursday night. Appreciate you joining us. Yes, sir, Liam Moore. Thank you all for having us. All right, so the Dr. Christopher Mullinex High School game day is on the road not once but twice uh, this week. Thursday, we're at McGill Tulin. Friday, we're at Faith Academy. Uh, should be a lot of fun. Always good to get out uh, and uh, and hang with a bunch of different football programs. And again, record pace. The uh, the record our our game day record is six and two, seven, seven and two. two, seven and two. We are seven and two with two more to play today this week. Yep, we're the Bishop Sycamore of high school athletics, man. We're going back to back games this week. We ain't afraid of nobody. Did you guys lose last week? We did. It wasn't uh we 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 dropped the uh, St. Michael's game. Although oh, oh it was close so hey. Yeah. I saw points. they came back. We I was rallied. doing the doing the St. Paul's game. I saw they came back and take the taking the lead and then I saw the final. Yep. I do want to prepare you Michael. Uh when you go out to Faith, you got Viger and Faith this uh, Friday. Yeah, uh you're going to be outdoors. So Oh, be, I'm not afraid of the elements. I know you're not. You, you told me you like being outdoors. Whereas <laughs> I do. I I, I prefer so I prefer being outdoors. As lo- you know, obviously I can't control the weather, but if it's not raining, I would rather be on top of a press box than in the press box. I feel like I have a better view. I feel like I'm more entrenched in the game when I'm on top. They of the do press take box. good care of you at Faith Academy. Ooh, yes. That's ambiguous, but <laughs> <laughs> no, by they, they feed you. Ooh, yes, they feed you. I like being fed. Yep. Mm-mm-mm. How about that, Mark? Yeah. No, shocking. You guys are more alike than you want to. Uh, I've said this before. Yeah. Uh, well, I, you guys I, I, I admitted that part. No, we're different because I like being in the press box. He likes being outside. I do not like being no. outside. When I get to your age. <laughs> or better yet, when you I were his you age, Michael. I hope you do. <laughs> were you? Uh, were, did you like to be outside when you Absolutely were his? Absolutely not. No, my first few uh, games, I was outdoors. I was rained on. My Michael, my first game ever, high school, Dinellen High School. Uh, New I, know Dinellen, oh, I know Dinellen. I know Dinellen. I had to do the game at the thirty-yard line on the field. You told me this story. Yeah. See, if I was doing games in New Jersey, I would probably prefer a press box. You know, once October Sa- rolls around, it's still warm here. Same. So. You ever hear of St. Peter's of New Brunswick? I know New Brunswick. I don't right. know if Saint I know St. Peter's. Peter's. They might uh, not still they, be open. They didn't have a press box. They put up a scaffold for me. So I'm up in the air, and it's not it's not barricaded or anything like that. I mean, it's open scaffold, and it started to rain. By the end of the first quarter, I was totally drenched. My charts were wiped out. Good luck. I think I uh, need to make an update to the stinks list. And I think Daniel Jones and the Giants, unfortunately, get their own special list. Really? It's really bad, man. It, it, and they were they found a way to win games last year, I guess because of Brian Dable, but they're just underprepared. They played in three primetime games and been killed in all of them this year. I it, it's it's pretty pathetic. I I don't know what to what to say about that. Daniel Jones being paid 40 million dollars a year and is again, you know, what pay- you say is that they should have given money to Saquon Barkley too. I kept guess. him around. Because, as you mentioned last year, but they had Saquon Barkley. You take him out of the lineup, and everything falls on Daniel Morris's shoulders. He was the leading rusher yesterday. Obviously, he's the leading passer, although he didn't do that da- well. Yeah, Daniel Jones. You said David Morris. <laughs> oh, well, he worked with him. Yeah. I wanted to get uh, a plug-in for David yeah. Morris. It's a, it's a rough sorry. week so for— So here's the better question. Who's the 
who's the worst, who, best or worst New York quarterback right now? Uh, Zach Wilson, had, Zach Wilson had a decent game. It might be Daniel Jones Daniel right now. Jones right now. I don't know. It's a rough week for Joneses who have worked for David Morris because Mac Jones, Mac Jones was not much better. Took him week. out in the third quarter. Yeah. So you're right about that. And uh, the fact of the matter is, when you get sacked ten times. Uh, is that on you? Is that your offensive line? It's a mix. The fact that you don't have a, a running back that's going to help you out. Uh, that there's all sorts of issues with the Giants. And, and I was talking to my brother the other day, and I can't ever remember being out of that area. And, Michael, maybe you can because you came down later than I did, where the two baseball teams stunk it up, neither going to the playoffs, right? Yankees and Mets both out. Mm. Then the excitement for Aaron Rodgers, the Jets, and the Giants coming off a good year. And neither is off to a good start. They're both one and three. And I was telling him, is there any team up there, the hockey team, that has a chance to be good? Yeah, I think the Rangers are good. But New York sports, to your point, yeah, it's pretty completely in shambles right now. Uh, another point with the jo- Evan Neal from Alabama. I mean, he's he's horrible. <laughs> he's, he's like one of the biggest, probably the biggest Alabama bust of a first-round pick, certainly of the Nick Saban era. Over Trent Richardson? Ah, well, in the same category. He's like actively a liability out there. He's he's horrible. It's it's shocking too. I really thought Evan Neal I I don't even want to say he stinks. He's it's bad. He can't block anything. He's like trying to block Darren Waller while the Seahawks offensive line or defensive line is going right around him. I'm shocked on that one. I thought Evan Neal was gonna be a good player. Okay. He's just horrible. I, I don't know what to say. He was so great at Alabama. So it's an insult to those who stink to say that this guy stinks. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Devin, Evan Neal is just terrible. Wait till that hits the uh, post, the New York Post. It's bad. Michael Bronner says Evan Neal stinks. Worse. <laughs> All right, so... Uh, Let's. Did we get anybody on the Chick Fil A? By the way, no. I had two guesses. They were both wrong. This is All a right, hard one. one. Yeah, it is. One more. It goes back a ways. Who is the f- last coach? Was well. Could, uh, let's get the Hugh Freeze has lost his first two SEC games. Go back in the history of Auburn football. Who was the last coach to lose his first two conference games in his very first year? He was also uniquely terrible, similar to Evan Neal. <laughs> All right. Well, if you know the answer or you th- want to give it a shot. Call Mr. Bronner. I promise you, he won't tell you how much you stink. I can't make. You can't promise. promise I that. can't, you can't promise, promise that. that at all. Yeah. You know. uh, David Green's going to join us next. Travis Ryer at seven o'clock. Jerry Palm in hour number two as well. Uh, Gene Stallings set to join us in hour number three, along with Dean Waite. Uh, wait for the call. So we got a busy Tuesday as always. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station WNSP. This is Will Herring, a member of the Auburn family. When I'm in Mobile, I listen to WNSP 105.5. All right. 652 wrapping up hour number one here on a busy Tuesday edition. Thanks for hanging with us. It's the opening kickoff. All right, let's uh, introduce once again my good friend David Green at the Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm. Mr. Green, good morning. How are you today? David, welcome to the show. 
Good morning. The music stayed on a little long this morning. <laughs> all right, here we go now. I'm going to have fun with you on this one. All right, this this is okay. going to this reverts back to what happened at Ole Miss after the game when the crowd spilled onto the field. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure you have. If you haven't, you got to see the video of that one security guard and trying. <laughs> stop a stampede of students but let me let me put it to you this way let's say your son alex was in the stands and he rushes onto the field and this security guard decks him with a forearm and alex gets injured does he have a case an injury case well alex better not do that i can tell you but I know. Uh, you know I, i'll tell you that that's uh that's an interesting situation, and I, I, I'll be honest with you, the security guard was very likely doing his job. He was doing what he was told to do, and, uh, you know, the, the bottom line is he probably does not have a case, and uh, truth is, um, you know, if, if they're allowing you on the field, that's one thing. If you're not supposed to be on the field, they're going to tell you, and uh, they were very likely telling him, hey, it's not time yet to do it. Uh, I didn't see the whole – I mean, I watched the game, and then I turned it off, and anyway, but uh, I did watch the – the review of that but uh probably does not have a case and uh you know you're probably technically trespassing at that point which is a little bit hard to understand but um you know that you've got it there's time and place for everything and that's very likely not a case but uh that was pretty comical but <laughs> i hope she's okay yeah i hope she is okay too now you're right i did check into this and we're going to have a guest come on at uh, 750 to even clarify some more points but it was indicated to me that, you know, you are trespassing. Okay, I'll, I'll buy into that. You're trespassing. However, what happens then in the other case where the LSU player slammed an Ole Miss student down who was trash-talking him? Again, this kid comes on the field. And you remember last year what happened with the Alabama player. Burton, I think it was, uh, at Tennessee. Yes. Yeah, uh, where, yeah. where the crowd spilled onto the field. Uh, maybe I'm wrong on the the Alabama player. Oh, I remember that. Yes, I recall that. So, you know, that might be out of line there. You know, you're really not, uh, you know, and it depends on the, the certain circumstances. And I don't really remember all the details, but, uh, you know, really, and I know we're talking about a couple of different things, but, uh, you know, that's kind of an odd area. And uh, generally, um, you know, there's not going to, there's probably not going to be a case, but I, I'm not sure what happened to the player, the Alabama player. Anyway, I, I think he was maybe disciplined by, Saban or whatever, but I think that was kind of the end of it. But, uh, you know, you really, they're playing a game. It's, it's intense, you know, a lot of high emotions. And uh, when people jump out there, they're not supposed to be there. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate, but uh, sometimes when they get hurt, they really, they're really not supposed to be there. And, uh, you know, it's a, uh, and, and that's really a unusual area. Have you ever, well, I shouldn't say ever, but do you get hit with a lot of sports injury cases at all? You know, not really. Uh, not really. Um, you know, we don't really see that that often. Primarily what we do is auto crashes, uh, industrial accidents, and that type of thing. But I don't really see that. Every now and then you'll have a child get injured at a school or something of that nature, and generally that's not something that we're involved in. It just depends on the specifics. But, uh, you know, I, I recall, uh, I mean, every now and then we'll see something like that. But, you know, I recall one time there was a, a school uh, years ago that had turned the lights off. Um, and someone was injured after the lights after a ball game. And, and so, you know, things like that, uh, perhaps. But some of these uh, instances, especially the, the young lady that, uh, you know, that, that security guard was doing everything he could, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he 
And I, and I might add, it wasn't very much. Just just throwing that out there. It wasn't there. much. <laughs> it wasn't much. But the fellow was trying, and gosh, for you know, goodness, he he was trying to do his job. And so I hope the young lady is okay. I really do. David, how can our listeners reach uh, Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm? Yeah, it's very simple. Uh, 51 North Florida Street here in Mobile. Uh, or you can go to the Forbes Building in downtown Birmingham or reach us at greenphillips.com. We're always glad to talk to you about any accident injury case. And it uh, won't cost you a penny to, to talk to any of our lawyers, uh, but it could cost you a lot if you don't. Appreciate you joining us as always. We'll check in with you next Tuesday. Have a great week at Green and Phillips. Absolutely. God bless you guys. Take care. Glenn Waddle is a good friend of mine. He's been the PA announcer for Ole Miss for, year, I think, 25 years now. He's got a record of something like attending home and away, 525 straight Ole Miss games. There was a big write-up about him. But I called him to find out about this because it looked like in the video you had that one security guard all by himself. But Glenn said there was about four or five others in the end zone alone. So we'll get into more detail when we get him on in another hour. I can't imagine any of the other ones had any uh, less success than, than this poor guy out there just just swinging at ghosts, man. Like I, First of all, I don't give him credit for knocking that girl down. I feel more like that girl walked right into him. Like If she had any field awareness at all, he doesn't make contact. I mean, that I've never seen a guy swing an arm so slow. Like it was, it was an effort, man, for him to kind of get that big old lumbering arm around. Well, I also asked him. I said, and, and we'll get into these questions when we get him on. I said, where do these security guards come from? He said, no, there's a firm. There's a firm out there that supplies them. It's not like they just went to the high school and said, hey, can you send us some uh, gym coaches or football players or something like that? Because I've read some places where they've done that. Where they bring in, you know, some student athletes who want to earn a quick buck or something like that. Well, he could parlay this into uh, quite the uh, quite the 15 minutes of fame, man. I'd hit all the talk show circuits, the circuit, and the whole deal, man. We'd be breaking down film of this poor guy. He was probably sore the next day. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of athletic ability there. We're gonna find out the kid, the guy played college ball somewhere. Or at least was on the team. All right, Travis Ryers next. Stay with us. The opening kickoff continues right here on the Sports Station WNSP. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Hey, here we are back at it for hour number two on this Tuesday edition. We've got a busy show for you. We appreciate you making us part of your morning. We'll talk to Jerry Palm coming up at 730. Uh, Gene Stallings scheduled to join us in hour number three. Speaking of Alabama. Oh, that's our next guest, too. I, I believe it is. Yeah, before we get to uh, Travis Ryer from On3, let's uh, give you a quick look at the headlines. Really not too many last night. Seattle beat the Giants 24-7. Daniel Jones, sacked 10 times, uh, 11 sacks for Seattle, tied a franchise record. They returned an interception, 97 yards. 
two interceptions, a fumble recovery. That pretty much tells the story of how that game went. So let's now reference uh, Travis Ryer to talk Alabama football with us from On3, Bam Online. Good morning, Travis. How are you today? I'm great. How are you guys? Pretty good. So with at least one Texas A&M player, it's personal. What about Alabama? Is this game personal to anybody? Alabama player coming up with A&M? Well, they certainly got some Texans. The starting quarterback is from Texas. Jace McClellan, the starting running back from Texas. Uh, you can go across the roster just about. Kendrick Blackshire plays a good bit at inside linebacker. He's a Texan. So Alabama certainly has uh, had a lot of success in the state. I don't know as, if it's as personal for those guys as it is Anaya Smith, but uh, definitely some guys that want to go back home and get a win, especially after already having a loss to home state, Texas, uh, the Longhorns. Do you look at this game Saturday coming up as maybe for the SEC West title? Could be. You know, I don't think LSU's out of it by any means. Still have games against both A&M and Alabama down the road, so uh, I wouldn't discount the Tigers just yet. But you you talk about gateway games to Atlanta, I think this one certainly qualifies. I think LSU Ole Miss was one of those games last week, too. Um, Ole Miss desperately needed that game in Oxford and was able to pull it out in thrilling fashion. But uh, you would think the winner of this one would come out of it in pretty good shape as far as the West is concerned. Travis, do you see any similarities or many similarities between Jalen Milrow and Jalen Hurts in his freshman year at Alabama? Um, some. I think Jalen was used in a way that, as the season moved on, uh, was more fitting to his skill set. You know, when you look back at the rushing numbers for Jalen in 2016 and 2017, he was right there at the top of those rushing stats, um, even into 2017 for sure. But I think that, you know, they're starting to use Milrow in some ways, similar to what we saw with Jalen Moore design quarterback runs. Probably not as many in that catalog as of yet that I, as I had anticipated with Milrow in there. Um, but he's been explosive, not just as a runner either, but also as a passer. No, he only had 12 pass attempts in the win at Mississippi State last Saturday night. But you look at yards per attempt, and he's continuing to put up some pretty big numbers when he throws the football. So for this team to get to where they ultimately want to be at the end of the season, Travis, how many times do you think, I know we're guesstimating here, how many times are they going to have to throw the ball? I mean, they're, they're not going to be able to go in there and just throw it 12 times a game every week against uh, everybody. How many times are they going to have to be able to throw it a little bit? Yeah, I think this week is going to be one of those weeks they're probably going to have to be in the neighborhood of at least 20 pass attempts yeah. because you look at this A&M defense so far, and they've been pretty good uh, against the run. They've got guys up front and Shamar Turner, Walter Nolan, McKinley Jackson that are going to make it difficult on that defensive line. I say that, and Alabama ran for nearly 300 yards against a lot of these guys in Tuscaloosa last year, but you still figure that, you know, the emphasis is going to be on slowing down the Alabama run game and make Jalen Milrow, and not just him, but these receivers and his protection, um, you know, win the game. So uh, it, it may not be so much that he needs to throw it 30 times, uh, but when he does, they need to be able to make an A&M defense pay because, as we saw in the loss to Miami for the Aggies uh, back in week two, uh, 
Milrow's not Tyler Van Dyke when it comes to staying in the pocket and delivering the football. But if you're going to really make some hay against this A&M defense, I think it's more so uh, against that back four, five, or six. So what's as far as the Alabama defense, does it matter? Wigman is out as a quarterback. Johnson takes over. He's been doing well. Uh, does that create any differences as how you plan to attack uh, the offense for Texas A&M with the changing quarterbacks? I don't think so. I think skill set, they're similar. I mean, Johnson's obviously, obviously a lefty, um, probably doesn't have the dynamic arm of, say, Connor Wiegman. I think there's more throws that Wiegman can make, more of those NFL kind of throws. But, you know, Johnson is a veteran guy. I mean, he's seen extensive action against Alabama in the past. I think both those games he was at LSU. Um, so that's a luxury that A&M has to – lose a guy like Wiegman, but then to have a guy like Johnson ready to go uh, really has A&M in a position to still accomplish the goals that they had for themselves going into the season. So, you know, for A&M, those weapons on the outside are still going to be there. Evan Stewart, Anaya Smith, um, you know, Moose Muhammad was effective against Alabama and Tuscaloosa last season. So you got to deal with those guys. Fortunately for Alabama, no Devon Achan this time around. He's with the Miami Dolphins at the running back position. But still some talent in that backfield, too. So uh, a balanced A&M offense, you, you're going to have to cover uh, every aspect of, you know, defensive play to, to have success on Saturday. He's Travis Ryer. He joins us here on WNSP. All right, so it's well-documented. Nick Saban kind of got after the team just a hair there uh, again against Mississippi State. They appeared to respond well to it. Could we be seeing a little bit more of the old Nick Saban moving forward? Yeah, you know, I mean, you're five games into it. It's time for that to happen. So the attaboys, I got to think, are drying up at yeah. this point. It's, you know, we, we, we've done all that. Now, you know, this is where we're supposed to be five games in. So uh, some of that's probably some frustration that you're five games in and you're still dealing with some of the same consistent issues on a weekly basis. And, um, you know, every team's different. Some teams respond differently to the whip and, and some respond differently to the to the pat on the back. So I think there's still going to be a mix with Nick. I think it's good TV anytime you can catch him over there yeah. losing his mind. But, um, you know, there's probably plenty of times where we don't see he's going over and, and you know, being encouraging and uh, complimentary of his players. I think, you know, like most coaches, those times aren't as frequent as the other times. But uh, I think that's that's where he's at with what he expected from this team at this point in the season and, you know, what his expectation is going to be moving forward. And, frankly, I think he's kind of like the rest, rest of us. I don't think he's quite sure, you know, what he's got. And I think, like the rest of us, he's going to find out a lot more on Saturday. Let me ask you this. If you could rate right now, in your opinion, the top three receivers, tight ends, wide receivers, even running backs, because it seems like it switches from game to game where one guy will make a catch and because they don't throw the ball that much. So in your mind, who's, who are the top three right now today? Well, I think, you know, Jermaine Burton, when he's ready to go and, and he's in his element, he is one of those top three. I think Isaiah Bond still is because he's a guy that you can use both inside and outside and get favorable matchups with that speed of his. Um, and then, you know, I think we saw Amari Nyblack and the potential at least he has in that game against Mississippi State and kind of the different ways that they can use him as well. But for sure, I'd go Burton 
and Bond. And then from there, I think the surprise is that we haven't mentioned Ja'Cory Brooks to this point because I really thought this could be a, a coming out year for Ja'Cory. We had seen some really good things from him uh, each of the last two seasons in some spots, but uh, he had some issues in the preseason that pushed him back down the rotation a little bit and really hasn't gotten back up to that point. But they've got some some newcomers that I think can potentially come on as well. You saw it from Jalen Hale, the freshman against Ole Miss a couple weeks ago, and then Malik Benson had a nice uh, explosive play against Mississippi State last week. So it is, you know, went into this season still wondering if they had a true number one type receiver because that wasn't the case last year. And I think they've got a collection of really nice number twos right now. But if you're asking if there's a Jamison Williams or a, um, you know, what you had seen from Devontae Smith, Jerry Judy, and those guys in this group, uh, that hasn't happened as of yet. He's Travis Ryer. Quickly before we let you go, uh, as frustrating as pre-snap penalties are and taking touchdowns off the board, the uh, the center quarterback exchange has got to be up there in, in the category of frustrating. Is this simply just not focusing, as Nick Saban indicated? Yeah, you know, you just worry that it's not more of a mental thing at this point for Seth McLaughlin, similar to what we've seen with players in a variety of sports, whether it's free throws, whether it's making throws to first base. So, you know, at this point, I'm kind of down to Dr. Bob Rotella, the sports psychologist, maybe coming in and seeing what he can do or someone of that ilk because uh, it's just been a consistent issue. And it's really bizarre because to this point, we hadn't really seen it from Seth McLaughlin. And I know, you know, Jalen Milrow does what a, a leader is supposed to do, especially at his position and tries to deflect some of the criticism and take on some of the blame for it. But, um, you know, the, the placement of the snaps is, is something that you, you can't explain away. And so uh, they've, they've pretty much survived them to this point. But the concern, obviously, is that they're going to get one in a critical moment, um, whether it's early or late in the game, that, that puts them in a situation that's sort of uh, one they can't recover from. Yeah, he's kind of the Rube Baker of uh... – of Alabama, he's just going to turn around and, and, and hand him the ball, maybe of, of Major League yeah. game. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, something like that. Yeah. Hey, man, we appreciate it as always. Uh, tell folks how they can continue to follow your coverage of uh, the Crimson Tide. Just go to BamaOnline.com. Also, check out our new YouTube channel for BamaOnline.com. A lot of video content you'll find there. We're on YouTube at BOL on YouTube. You find us there, and of course at BamaOnline.com. Have a good week. As always, we appreciate the time, Travis. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right, scoreboard traffic and weather next. Uh, we'll visit with David McCrary, LCM Motorcars, LCMMotorcars.com. Jerry Palm in this hour. Next hour, Dean Waite and Gene Stallings. How about that? We are in. Uh, Hugh Freeze was in town last uh, night. We have audio of that. We'll play that for you in hour number three. Incredibly busy Tuesday edition. Stay with us right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Hi, this is Saran Stacy. You're listening to WNSB 105.5. The opening kickoff continues on WNSP, and it's time to highlight the cars of the week with David McCrary at LCM Motor Cars in Theodore. David McCurry, LCM Motorcars, LCMMotorcars.com, joins us here on WNSP. And, David, we talk all the time about LCM Motorcars being able to uh, sell you 
a car that you need, but if you got a car you got you, you want to get rid of, you've had enough of, well, you can help people there too. Absolutely. We buy cars every day from individuals and dealers and, and from a little bit everywhere. But one thing um, out there is if you're trying to trade your car in on a new car or um, to a different dealer than us, I mean, we're not going to get upset. But if you don't feel like you're being treated fair on your trade-in, take a 10-minute break and bring it out to us. Let us give you an idea what we'll pay you for it and see if it's worth um, you trading it or you may just want to sell it straight to us. Uh, and you guys, as you pointed out, you're always looking for inventory, but there's plenty of inventory on your lot uh, as of uh, uh, today, I would assume. Yeah, we've got a great inventory right now. We've got cars, trucks, we've got small SUVs, we've got large SUVs. Um, everything's been inspected. Everything comes with a warranty. Um, we've got some really nice vehicles. All right, so if somebody is interested in trading in what they have now, when's the best time to come see you or, or one of the fine folks over there at LCM Motorcars? We're there from 8 to 6, Monday through Friday, 9 to 2 on Saturday. Um, give us a call at 251-375-0068. If you want to set up an appointment to make sure um, that you get the attention you think you deserve, and we'll get you in and out. I mean, it doesn't take long. We've got financing in-house. Everything's right there. All the guys have been in the business for a long time. They know what they're doing, and we're there to help you. Hey, man, we appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much, and we'll, be, we'll do it again soon. Have a good day. That's uh, Dave McCrary, LCM Motorcars, lcmmotorcars.com. Make sure you go to the website, check out all the inventory they have on the lot. And of course, you can always follow them on uh, Facebook. They've got a ton of inventory on social media, and they will uh, they will they will get you on the right path for sure. We did not get a winner right on the Chick Fil A. That is uh, correct. Correct. All right. Well, here's the answer. Ooh, that means I get it. I think you possibly could. Uh, Earl Brown is the coach from 48 to 50. And not only did he lose his first two conference games, but in uh, 22 or 29 games that he coached Auburn, he was three and 22. Huh. And I was looking over the uh, coaching records of any coach who, you know, had appreciable number, not somebody who was 0 and 1 or 2 and 0. He had the worst winning percentage at 17%. He also had a couple of ties. So he he so Hugh Freeze joins him as the Auburn coaches who lost their first two conference games. You might be surprised to know that the coach with the winningest percentage, and again, talking about an appreciable number of games, well, you got to go back to Mike Donahue, who had 74% wins, but Terry Bowden is right up there with him. Someone guessed Terry Bowden. Yeah. yeah, it's not never good when your Wikipedia page says Brown is notorious for his stretch as football coach at Auburn, where he went 322-4. and four including a record of 0-10 in his final season where the Tigers were outscored 285-31. to 31. Yeah, well, look, I mean, administrations these days are looking for consistency in the program, and I thought he brought that to Auburn back in the day. So. <laughs> Terry Bowden, while he was at Auburn from 93 to 98, won 73% of his games. Now, he's coaching ULM. That's where South Alabama goes this Saturday. The Jags have never won at ULM. Terry Bowden coaching there, but uh, he's like second among coaches who have had a number of, you know, games to their credit. All right. Uh, coming up, uh, Jerry Palm's going to join us. We will hear from uh, Hugh Freeze, by the way. He was in Mobile last night. You'll hear that in about 50 minutes or so. He did walk back his comments about going to miss the rivalry with Georgia. Earlier yesterday, 
he kind of matter-of-factly was talking about that series and talked about how he was going to miss it. So obviously that caught on because it hasn't been announced who the rivalry's permanent rivals will be. Although he did make it sound like he knew what he was talking about. I, I get the sense walking it back last night while he was in Mobile at the First and Ten Club was simply a reaction to somebody jumping and, you know, getting in his ear talking about you can't talk about that kind of stuff. The explanation uh, was long and discombobulated. I fully believe he knows that Auburn and Georgia will not be a permanent rival. I don't. I'm not going that far, but I don't. What difference does it make? He can talk all he wants about it, uh, even if he doesn't know if it's a fact or uh, fiction right now. He could uh, certainly uh, express his opinion. Now they do play each other in 2024. Right. Uh, they are on the schedule. Well, he, for he wasn't talking about whether they should keep it. He said, and I quote, "I'm going to miss this rivalry." He's only been in it one game. I understand that, but the point is, is he's telling everybody that they're not going to play anymore. I wish y'all had radio vision right now. <laughs> you got the wrong headline here, Lee. Yeah. All right. Jerry Palm. We'll talk some college football with him next. Stay with us. How are you going to deal with not having your phone? <laughs> you, you know, you're of that generation, you know, that I gotta, gotta have it. <laughs> 732. I'm so confused. Nick Saban screaming during games and joking with reporters. I'm, I don't know what to do, Lee. Yeah, you might want to explain. Wasn't Nick Alvarez of AL.com involved in that? Yeah, so Nick dropped his phone, and uh, I guess those media classes are paying off for, for the other Nick because he, he jumped all over it. So, in a, but in a fun way. He was yeah, laughing. Oh, no, it was great. How many times do you ever hear him laugh at a press That's conference? That's what I'm saying. I'm confused. I don't know what to think anymore. I'm of that generation. Yeah. <laughs> I got to have it. You, you understand what do, Nick Saban's talking about there, right? Yeah. Do you think Terry told him to laugh it off? Yeah, unlikely. All right. Uh, this segment brought to you by Baumhauer's, and that's where Nick Saban and the group will be on Thursday night in Tuscaloosa at one of Baumhauer's restaurants for Hey Coach. We'll remind you that they have the uh, NFL Pick'em Contest, so some fan who picks the most correct NFL games will receive a $100 Baumhauer's gift certificate, and you get a hold of this by visiting Baumhauer's.com or scan the QR code on your table at your favorite location. Jerry Palm uh, joins us now from CBS Sports to talk some college football. Jerry, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? I'm all right. You know, I know we talk college football, but I can I give your listeners an NFL tip. Go ahead. Pick against the Bears. <laughs> what a, uh, If they're playing Denver, if they're playing Washington, Auburn, whatever. Oh, okay. So, so that hypothetical could Alabama beat an NFL team? That actually might be a legit conversation this year. Yeah, define NFL team. <laughs> you're not uh, you're not sold on Elberfuse or whatever his name is as the head coach. I'm, I'm not sold on any of it. Can I? Just, you know, start with the owner, go down to the 
the security guy. Okay, actually, the security guys at the stadium do a pretty good job. Above that level, no. How can they be so bad year after year after year? Well, poor leadership, poor decision making, and then poor execution on the field. And uh, just yeah, I you know the Bears have ruined another quarterback. That's that's what they do. It's it's a long and story history of ruining quarterbacks. Um, the Bears have one quarterback in the Hall of Fame, Sid Luckman. Ever heard of him? I did. You might have. Yeah, he went to my mother's yeah. high school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's the only Bears quarterback in the Hall of Fame. Um, the only, the, probably the second best quarterback they ever had was Jim McMahon. Kyle Orton would be probably in the top five. Don't forget Bill Wade took him to the championship yep. back in the early 60s over the Giants. Yikes. Yep. 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 See? Yep. The, the idea, I don't know if people even remember this, but the uh, Bears used to be nicknamed the Monsters of the Midway. Do you remember that? Yep. Yeah, they they still they still use that nickname on occasion when they act sort of monstery. Um, by the way, Walter Payton would be in the top ten of Bears quarterbacks. Walter Payton can't knock that. Jerry, to this point of the college football season, which team do you think is playing the best right now? Mm, Washington. <laughs> Really, I've been I've been really high on Washington. They they struggled at Arizona last week, but um, I would say Washington. I also like Oregon. Ohio State probably has the best win of anybody. Um, yeah, it's uh, if, if it's not Texas, <clears throat> I, I don't know that there's a one team. But if you're going to give me one team today, you know, playoff starts today, I'm going to go with Washington. The question was raised over the weekend. Which conference, the SEC or the Pac-12, has a better chance of getting two teams into the college football playoffs? That's a good question. I think the Pac-12 is going to beat each other too much. They may not even get one in. Because the top of that league is really strong. I mean, there's six good teams in that league, you know, rankable teams. And then you've got two others that are – that are pretty competent, you better show up to play. So, you know, that's a pretty deep league. It, it might be hard for them to get one team in the college football playoff. So if I have to say which league can get two, I'm actually going to say the Big Ten. But it, that was not a choice. So SEC. I had this discussion the other day because I just didn't know the answer. With the Pac-12 supposedly dissolving, but you still have two teams that aren't going anywhere, Oregon State and Washington State. So my under, I was told that no matter what, the league will can stay in existence for two years, even if it has yes. only two teams. They have a two-year grace period yeah. to, to meet the membership requirements for a conference. So, they do. So it, when, what, what, when everybody leaves and those two teams are left, do they just divvy up the money that's there, the two teams? Um, yeah, there's that, there, there will be lawyers involved in sorting that out. Um, that that's kind of what they want. That's what Oregon State and Washington State want is the you know the NCAA units and things that that, that the other teams are leaving behind. Um, and I suspect you know, like I said, lawyers are going to get involved here. That most of that is, if not all of that, is going to stay with those two schools. And that's why they want to keep the name. That's why they're desperate to to, to keep the conference as a as an entity. Because there's money there that they need. Plus, whether the conference dissolves or not, 
there's a huge payout to Comcast that they owe. It's like $50 million that they owe, even if the conference goes away, the debt doesn't go away. But the ability to pay it may go away. So it's, there's a lot going on there, but part of it is they, they want to keep this, the money for, that the league gets, especially in NCAA units, and at least for this year, you know, college football playoff money, and probably next year too, you know, that money may help, you know, the, first of all, these two schools stay afloat while they try and sort things out, but also they have to pay back that debt, and I don't know how they do it any other way. Jerry Palm, CBS Sports, joining me. All right, who do you like, Alabama, Texas A&M? Alabama. I don't trust A&M yet. Um, they haven't really given me a reason to. Obviously, they haven't been, you know, terrible like they were last year, but the one good team they played beat them pretty soundly. So um, I, I, I still like Alabama um, in this game. I, but, you know, it's a huge, huge game for A&M. It's, you cannot understate the importance of this game for A&M in trying to show that, you know, the Jimbo Fisher plan is finally starting to come around, finally starting to look good. Uh, they're going to have to play a lot better than they did at Miami if they're going to beat Alabama. You mentioned Washington as a team that's playing the best. I've heard others say Texas. Texas and Oklahoma yeah. in their annual shootout. Who do you like in this one? Well, I like Texas. I think Oklahoma's got a shot. I mean, last year Oklahoma was pretty bad, but they've really turned it around this year. Um, Dylan Gabriel's having a good year at quarterback, one of many quarterbacks having a good year. Um and, uh, you know, that gives them a chance. Uh, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think both offenses are better than the defenses. Um, so, uh, but I, I still like Texas. Texas is playing. Yeah, this might be finally the Texas is back game. I mean, the win at Alabama is huge, but it was like game, what, two or three in the end of the season. <clears throat> so, you know, now if, if, you know, they've beaten them and then they beat Oklahoma and you look at the schedule ahead of them and they've got a pretty good chance to – to run to the college football playoff, then, you know, the, the Texas's background might finally be right. Is Penn State good enough to, let's say, cripple either Ohio State or Michigan? Because everybody's looking at that down the road, Ohio State, Michigan. But is Penn State, I know they're undefeated now, but are they the type of team that could mess it up for those two teams? Yes, and they're dependent on uh, their young quarterback, um, Drew Allar, and uh, um, they've got some young, talented skill position guys, especially Nick Singleton running back. It, it, those guys play well. Um, the receivers, have, you know, uh, they're, they're a step back in that position than they have been the last couple of years. Um, but the receivers are going to have to really play well in those kinds of games. They've got enough defense to keep them in it. Can the, can the, skill, the young skill position guys on Penn State step up in those situations and make the kinds of plays that they need to make? Uh, to win games like that. But, yes, the, the talent is definitely there. Update your uh, college football playoff bowls right now. Who do you have in there? It, um, it's uh, Georgia and Florida State in the Sugar Bowl, Michigan and Texas in the Rose Bowl, the semifinals. Georgia, the number one seed. Um, there does not appear to be much separation between one and, say, six or seven uh, this year. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they sort each other out going forward. And, you know, when we talked about two SEC teams in a playoff, that those scenarios are, are not very good right now. You know, there, how many undefeated teams are left? Georgia, Kentucky, uh, Missouri in the SEC. Is that it? Missouri. Georgia and Kentucky. Missouri. Uh, Mizzou, right. So, But they're all in the East, right? So Georgia 
So you assume Georgia goes 13-0, and and either Kentucky or Mizzou finishes with one loss. That's the, the, the scenario that's going to get uh, two SEC teams in the playoff, and I don't really like those odds. There's some doubters out there about Georgia going undefeated because they haven't been blasting people. What do you think about Georgia right now? Um, I, I want to see him play someone, you know, that'll really test them. Uh, I, I, you know, you can't blame Georgia if they're just going through the motions, but they're probably not quite as good as last as the last couple of years, just in terms of not just talent. I mean, they're still recruited a ridiculous level, but, you know, experience. Um, they've lost a lot of very good players to the NFL the last couple of years. And at some point, that catches up with you. Uh, but you know, Georgia's still going to be favored every time they take the field. So, you know, they, they may have come back to the pack a little bit, but um, we'll see what happens when these big games start showing up on their schedule and, and can they raise their level to meet those challenges. Jerry, can't thank you enough. We'll uh, check in with you uh, next Tuesday. All righty. All right, thanks. Good luck to your Bears this week against Washington. Yeah, too late for that. <laughs> Thursday night game. The, the Amazon primetime game. Good luck on that. All right, uh, we do have a lot of good luck with uh, – oh, go ahead. Oh, Mobile Oral and Facial Surgery. Uh, the team, Dr. Mullenix and Dr. Uh, Wallander, uh, team up to two of the finest uh, surgeons available when it comes to oral surgery. I should know. I've been to Dr. Mullenix for years now, so I highly recommend him. You don't need a recommendation. You don't even need a referral. You can just call him up at 471-3381, and they're located at 715 Downtown or Boulevard. As I've said many, many times, the first time I went there, I was amazed. Very little paperwork. That was a good thing. Uh, X-rays, dental chair, out next day, no pain, very little discomfort. Uh, the office opens up at 8. They do take day of emergencies. Again, that number is 471-3381. All right, when we come back, we're going to take a break, wrap up hour number two. We've got a special guest who was right there in the mix, Old Miss LSU. We'll get his perspective on rushing the field, security guards, all of it coming up next as we wrap up our number two, Dean Waite in our number three, and Gene Stallings also scheduled right here on the sports station, WNSP. Hi, this is Bo Manning, my co-producer of Training Days, Rolling with the Tide, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5 Mobile. Number two here. Very busy Tuesday edition. We appreciate you guys making us part of your morning. All right, our Hugh Freeze interview that comes out of last night's First and Ten Club coming up at uh, around 820. We'll hear most of what he had to say. But right now, I want to hear what my good friend at Ole Miss, uh, Glenn Waddle. Glenn's been the uh, voice, the public address system voice for about 25 years. I was reading his a uh, little bio, he's been to like 525 straight Ole Miss games, home and away. He's also an attorney, which comes in handy to talk about our subject. Glenn, welcome to our uh, opening kickoff. Good morning. How are you today? Always good to talk to you guys. 
All right. Uh, we want to get into, first of all, uh, what what happened after the game ended, after uh, Ole Miss won that game over LSU. Obviously, the video of the security guard. And the first question I asked you, because it, it just focused on that one security guard in the end zone. And I'm thinking, why is there only one guy there trying to hold off a rampaging group of fans who went to get on the field. Can you clarify that he was he the only guy in the end zone? He was not the only security guy in the end zone. They had a large team of folks down there. I think uh, most of them were trying to keep the keep them off the goalpost. Uh, they I don't think they had too much trouble with them running on the field. I don't think they could have prevented that. But I think primarily they were trying to get them off the goalpost. And one fan did get up on the goalpost and did a backflip off, which he landed on his rear end. And I think they carted him off. But uh, I believe they were they were down there primarily to keep him off the goalpost. I'm assuming you saw the video, right? I did. I saw the video. Yeah. Uh, he, the, the the one guard they centered on, he didn't seem to have too much success, but I wasn't sure what he was trying to do. I'm not sure. I think he was just trying to keep him off the goalpost. That's what it looked like because he was very close to the to the base of the goalpost. Uh, I guess that was his job to try to keep him off the goalpost. So, Glenn, let me ask you this: Where do these guard, where do the security guards? Uh, are they local people, or are they hi, Are they hired? It, it's a it's a firm that the university hires. I'm not sure what the name of the firm is, but they've been around for uh, quite some time, and they work all the athletic events: football, baseball, basketball, what have you. And uh, most universities hire a security firm to handle that type of situation. Well, Glenn, he, uh, the security guard in question seemed to be a little overwhelmed with the number of people flying in his direction, but I give him an A for effort. Yeah, I guess uh, a pretty good arm bar there on the, on the sorority gal, but uh, <laughs> other than that, he, he was trying. <laughs> yeah, so you being an attorney of note, does the girl have any recourse uh, if she was hurt? I, I don't know whether she was hurt or not, but she's the only one who really got tagged. Is, is well, see, here's the problem, Lee. When, you know, assumption of risk always applies to somebody going to a sporting event. When you buy a ticket to a sporting event, you're, you're an invitee, which means, um, which means you're an individual that's been solicited or invited to come to a function or a game, and you've paid the use for the premises. Now, that means the premises are, are legally entitled to give you reasonable care. However, when you storm the field... Or when you uh, when you storm the court, you no longer become an invitee, and uh, you're basically a trespasser, and that means you assume the risk of a prohibited action. In other words, you're no longer entitled to reasonable care by the facility or the athletic folks, uh, and you're you are considered to have assumed the risk of whatever harm happens when you storm the court or storm the field. And that makes it that makes it a little bit difficult if you're trying to if you're trying to sue for getting hurt if you've stormed the field because you you your status changed you're no longer an invitee you're basically a trespasser and that makes it a little different. All right, does that apply now to a student athlete, a football player, who and we saw that there was uh, apparently I say apparently reportedly an LSU player who pushed down an Ole Miss uh, student who came on the field. And then there's been other stories going back to, I guess it was last year in the Alabama-Tennessee game. Does the same thing apply to a football player? Should he be disciplined? 
It's a shade different because then you're looking at basically civil and or criminal assault. You know, you can sue for civil assault. Uh, you can also have somebody charged for criminal assault. So that makes it a little bit different. That makes it kind of a one-on-one -on -one situation uh, between the player and the fan. And uh, that, that, that changes just a shade. But still, you're a trespasser, and you have no business being there to get in the way of the player or get involved with the player. So it, does, it's, it doesn't change the, the fan's legal status. They're a trespasser. They're, they were an invitee and then became a trespasser, and they assumed the risk of getting involved with a football player down on the field. But, however, if the football player did something overly, overly aggressive, that could lead to a civil or criminal assault charge. So, Glenn, uh, you, you've seen 525 Ole Miss games. Have you seen one wilder than what you saw on Saturday? Uh, the Alabama game a few years ago, and by the way, it's well over 564 oh, now. My 565. apologies. Yeah. Uh, I have the, the Alabama game where they tore down the goalpost was a lot crazier, and that was one where you couldn't even see the, the grass. You couldn't even see the grass at all, and, and you had fans on both goalposts tearing them down. That didn't happen Saturday. It was mostly just a lot of students just running around, uh, not really. And, and they were going up to the players, and they were going around the, uh, the Magnolia Bowl trophy that they give out for the winner of the game. So uh, they, were, they were mostly just circling around the players and congratulating them. It wasn't, it wasn't as bad as the Alabama scene a few years ago. The Alabama scene a few years ago was a little scary. So let me ask you this. Uh, you're up there in the booth. You're the PA announcer. Did you anticipate the fans coming onto the field after that game? Uh, sometimes we do and sometimes we don't. You really don't know. We do have announcements based, you know, fans stay off the field. You're subject to arrest and prosecution, that type of thing. We do have those. And I had to stay uh, stay there behind the mic because I had to try to get the fans off the field, which means I had to tell them, okay, everybody now, the band would play a song and then say, okay, everybody head to the north end zone to exit. And the band would play another song and say, okay, everybody head to the north end zone to exit. And the band would play a third song, that type of thing. So that went on for a while. I had to, had to kind of stay there and kind of herd them out the north end zone. Did they listen to you? They did. They actually did. Uh, the, the, like I said, the band would play a song. A few more fans would get in the tunnel and get on out. And most of them got out in uh, in pretty good shape, I think. Uh, they, they, they did listen, and uh, they were able to, to head for the exits and, and clear out pretty quickly. All right, let me ask you this. You're, you were one, at one time a student at Ole Miss. Did you ever rush the field? Never did. Never did rush the field. Uh, I just I, – I knew – I just didn't like doing that um, – I just I didn't see any sense to it. Um, I would I would rather go up and congratulate the players after everything was over. Now we did that a lot. In, we never rushed the field in baseball, but after we won the 1977 SEC championship, I did go down the field. But that was after everything was over, and it wasn't a a mad rush scene. So I never believed in rushing the field. You got no business being down there, really. All right. So with all that said, who did a, a a worse job? Security keeping that's that one security guard keeping those guys off the field, or the LSU defense? Uh, I would say the LSU defense because that's what set up the scenario for the fans to rush the field. Uh, both neither defense distinguished themselves Saturday. Let's put it that way. You're talking about over 1,300 yards yeah. total offense, 
which was crazy, uh, almost almost an SEC record. So uh, it was it was pretty crazy. It was like watching a tennis match. And of course, your signature first down, Ole Miss got a lot of play. Yeah, I forget how many first downs Ole Miss had, but I said it a lot. I know that. I, I was pretty tired after the game. All right, Glenn, <laughs> let me ask you this. You and I shared some thoughts yesterday, and maybe some of the Alabama fans might want to hear this. You you talked about the security at in Tuscaloosa, if you could share that story. Yeah, they. Uh, I was talking to some folks uh, that that work at the, at the university when I was up there for the Alabama game, and they were telling me that they brought in a brand-new security guy from – California, and that's why you see the fencing all the way around Bryant-Denny Stadium now. You know, they have a, a new fencing that completely surrounds the stadium, and they brought this guy in, and he completely redid all of the security aspects of all Alabama athletic events. So it, it's, it's changed quite a bit for, for Alabama, from my understanding, from what they were telling me, is that this guy came in, and he looked at the and what they had in place and just ripped it all up and changed all the security policies for every single event. So that's why you see that fencing around Bryant-Denny Stadium. If you go to the game now, you see that fencing with the, you know, and you can't see through it, that type of thing. So that's why you have that around there now because of the new security guy at the University of Alabama. Glenn, great stuff, man. Thank you so much for spending a little time with us. It's been a, uh, it, it was a fascinating game, and, and the aftermath was even more entertaining. So thanks for your time, and let's do it again soon. Always a pleasure, guys. I always enjoy talking to y'all, and I uh, hope y'all have a great day and a good show the rest of the way. Appreciate it. It's Glenn Waddle, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Ole Miss, the PA announcer. He was on the call right there in the stadium. Uh, all right, hour number three, Dean Waite uh, kicks things off. We'll hear from uh, Hugh Freeze was in town yesterday. We'll hear some of that. He walked back his comments about the Alabama-Georgia, I'm sorry, the Auburn-Georgia rivalry. And then Gene Stallings set to join us at 8.30. And then at the end of our show, we'll get somebody qualified for the uh, Alex Naiman Catering Party with another round of Name It. So stay with us. Busy, busy Tuesday edition right here on the Sports Station WNSP. is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station 105.5 FM WNSP and on the Sound of Mobile app the latest sports news traffic weather and timely guests with Mark Hine Lee Shervanian and Michael Brawner the opening kickoff, kickoff. kickoff. here are Mark Lee and Michael all right Welcome back in, hour number three. It's going to be a doozy of one, man. we got Gene Stallings coming up in about 30 minutes. We're going to play some of that Hugh Freeze audio from last night, the First and Ten Club, uh, coming up in about 15 or 20 minutes or so. Uh, so we got a lot going on here, Lee. Plus, we also uh, have a, a qualifying today later on in the show for the first time late in the show for a, a name it. All right, let's talk to Dean Waite. Uh, Dean and I, of course, uh, co-host a show with Roger Schultz on Fridays from noon to one at Dean uh, Waite Associates. Uh, those who go to Chick-fil-A can find us very easily because we're right next to that. And uh, Dean joins us every Tuesday or most Tuesdays to talk about some of the plays of the weekend. Good morning, sir. How are you today? Good morning, guys. How are y'all doing? Good. Now, I, I know Mark sent you some stuff. I did. But I, I got to start with the play that I saw last night. Uh, I don't know if you were watching Seattle and the Giants. 
And this had to do with Walker, the running back for Seattle. And he was tackled, but it was one of those tackles, uh, Dean, where the defender spun him around and Walker got up and then ran for touchdown. And then they had to go to the replay to see if his knee touched or his elbow touched. It reminded me of the Michael Dyer run for Auburn back in the championship game against Oregon many years ago. And I was going to ask you, like, what constitutes being down? Because the, the, the defender was underneath him, and he spun him around. And I couldn't tell if his knee touched, but is it also the fact about his elbow touching or his butt touching or yeah. what? Yeah, I mean, it, so, I mean, any part of your body other than your hand or your, your foot essentially is going to be, you'll be, if it's touching the ground, you'll be considered down. So I did not see the play. Uh, what did they ultimately rule? They, they ruled, ruled that he it was, was not, not down? That he was down eventually, but it okay. took a long time because every, yeah. they kept showing the replay and it didn't look like his knee touched. But I think they got it. I think they got it on an elbow grazing the ground. Right. All right. Yeah, I mean, it's very similar to, you know, we had a play in the uh, Georgia-Auburn game on Saturday that, that where the Georgia running back, there was rule to fumble. Yeah. When they went back and looked at it, his, his knee looked to me like it probably touched the ground, but it was really close. But his forearm was definitely on the ground with him in control of the ball. And so that's going to be down so, because it's really any part other than your hand or foot that touches the ground is going to constitute you being down. All right, so I'm glad you brought that one up, Dean, because we were talking about this. So this is where things get a little tricky for me. So let's assume yeah. on that play, and that was uh, Edwards for uh, for Georgia. He, right. he kind of slipped and he fumbled or whatever. So it's clear the forearm is down. Like it was no doubt that that was going to get right. reversed, right? So I don't have a problem with that. Right. I'm Where I'm curious, though, is – that knee kind of grazed like <laughs> blades of grass, right? So when do you right. – when is it – I mean, do, do, does it have to be like squarely on the ground? Or I know that sounds picky, but if his forearm doesn't yeah. go down, we're having this conversation across the country. Like all he has to do is hit the t blades of grass and he's down? I mean, there's not – I mean, you know, it's not necessarily defined where it says, you know, the – Body part has to be on the ground for 0.5 seconds. Right. And, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of a, you know, I I, I suspect that, you know, if if it had only been the knee in the in the Georgia situation, you know, I, to me it looked like it was down enough. I mean, if that, you know, I mean, like you said, it grazed the the the, the grass for a minute, and that's probably going to constitute being down. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it. There's no definition of, of how long something has to be on the ground or anything like that. So it's it's a it's, I mean that is that it's a tough area. I mean it really is. In the Auburn game against Georgia, the quarterback for Auburn looked like he went over the uh, scrimmage line and then threw the the football. The yeah. All right. The rep. I don't know who was was Gene Senator, one of those guys. He said for sure he went over. Okay, yeah. there was no uh, there was no penalty. So I want to get to the intricacies of how this works. So the guy that they call on as the the referee on television to help, right? Can he not? Can he not inform or have a button or something that he could push? Yeah. So they can have a review of this. Why? Why is I, I don't. 
Yeah, that guy's just paid by CBS just to be there and and kind of provide good insight. He has no control over the actual replay. They just missed that. I mean, that that's a completely reviewable play. There was no doubt he was his. So so the rule says your entire body has to be beyond the line of scrimmage. Okay, so it, at any point, if a ball carrier either is entirely beyond the line of scrimmage or has been entirely beyond the line of scrimmage and then throws a forward pass, it's an illegal forward pass. And that's what we had here. The quarterback went entirely beyond the line, and I think he sort of faded back maybe a yeah, leg or something he back did. behind the line and then threw the ball. But it should have been reviewed, and it should have been a penalty, and it would have been a loss of down at the, at the spot of the pass, I believe, is, is the foul. So. All right, so even if – even if they're, uh, you know, the, the officials missed it, shouldn't Georgia or have, you know, because they have people up there in the press box and sure. they have video replays up there. Sure. Why didn't they? Yeah. Why, and, and can Kirby throw a flag to have it reviewed? Yeah, I mean, you can, you can chat. I mean, use one of your, you know, I guess your challenges or whatever. I mean, Georgia should have had somebody looking at it and, and hollering down on the, on the headset, hey, we need to, you know, review this, call a timeout, do something, you know. Uh, and and uh, they just everybody just missed it all the way around. But right. it was he was clearly across the line, but and Dean, it was an illegal forward pass. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But they just they just missed it. But isn't there also an official upstairs in the press box that that has control on this too, or no? Absolutely. I mean, the replay missed it. I mean, they just didn't they just didn't stop it for for whatever reason. Uh, I, I don't you know I don't know what was going on, but they seemingly review every play uh and it should have been seen and it wasn't caught so you know i'm sure they'll have a discussion about it in the conference office uh dean waits with us here uh if you have a question about a play hit us up in the uh, app and uh we'll see if we can relay that uh let me jump to one that i had never really seen before duke notre dame a 13 40 or so left in the game duke i'm sorry notre dame punts it literally went out of bounds like right over the pylon at uh so after they I think they reviewed it uh right and they called it a touchback but then one of their rules experts came back on and said they they got that one wrong because it and and correct me if I'm wrong here they have it, the ball has to touch the sideline or the pylon for it to even I, be reviewed is that right I, I'm Mark I'm going to have to admit I'm I'm really confused on this one because when I go and, and and review the replay rule, it says that a loose ball and basically any loose ball that involves the goal line or anything like that is a reviewable play. So I'm not sure why they they came out and said it couldn't be reviewed. I'm confused as to why it can't be reviewed. I never saw a good explanation for that. And and my my interpretation of it is it's a reviewable play because it involves the goal line with the loose ball. If the ball goes right over the top of the the, the 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 pylon, I mean, in my mind, that's a touchback. I'm 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 this play has has baffled me. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie yeah. uh, because there's no other. Where are you gonna mark the where are you else are you gonna mark the ball if it goes straight over the top of the pylon? It's not out at the one yard line. It's I mean it's it's technically gone into the end zone yeah. and out of the end zone. So I, I don't I, I'm I'm not sure on this one. I, I tried to. I tried to do some good research on it, and I never came up with a good, good, you know, explanation or why that was not a touchback. Yeah, so they're uh, saying I did not see yeah. the play. I did, I did. I tried to find a video of it, and I could not find. It. I didn't see the play. So it, they said it should have been. It really should have been out at the one for Duke. Instead, 
Duke got it at the 20. They called it a touchback. They went 80 yards and 8 I mean, plays for a Duke score. But you see what I'm saying? I mean, a loose ball that goes straight over the top of the pylon, how is that out at the one-yard line? That that doesn't – I mean, it didn't go out at the one. It went <laughs> it went right. through the end zone. I mean, you know, over the pylon and through the end zone. It's like, um, it's like a field know. goal going over the – is it – Yeah. Over I mean, the upright, I don't right? Know. Uh, that's, a, that's a weird one to me, and I'm sorry I don't have a better – answer for you on that but i'm i'm thoroughly baffled by that one all right i got another one but it's kind of it's not exactly similar but it's over under all right so i forgot the game all some of the games run together there was an interception the guy intercepts the pass i think around the i'm not sure exactly right around the uh, goal line but it's right but and but it was pushed back into the end zone which we were thinking was going to be a touchback but they gave the ball at the one yard line. Right. Yeah, that's the, what we call the old momentum rule. So if you if you intercept the ball inside the five and your momentum carries you into the end zone, they're going to bring the ball back out to the spot at which you gain possession. Um, and it's just you know it's it's basically what it says. It's your momentum is what took you uh, into the uh, end zone, but you gained possession in the field of play. And so they're gonna, uh, they're not gonna give you the benefit of your momentum carrying you in the end zone and giving you a touchback. They're gonna put it to where you gain possession. All right, I, uh, there was uh, some anarchy there, Kansas City and the New York Jets. There was a lot of conspiracy theories about the referees uh, being big Taylor Swift fans or something. So I sent you one where there is a an official. There's a there's an interception. The Jets pick off a pass. Right. The official is standing there watching it. He sees the Jets cornerback make the interception. He then reaches into his pocket, grabs a flag, and throws it 10 or 15 yards ahead of it to call holding. Yeah. And people are up in arms. Yeah, I mean, you you could see him start reaching for his flag. You know, as the as the ball is still in the air and stuff, but he did. It's a bad look when you when you kind of just wait for the whole play to go out, and then he you know he pulls it, and then he like double clutches, and then he throws it. Uh, you know, I, I'm not I can't pretend to get into to his head. Right. Uh, you know, sometimes sometimes your what you what your eyes see doesn't get you know get transferred to your brain to tell your arm to pull the flag and throw it immediately, but. You know, I don't know. It looked, it was a bad look. Uh, I, you know, I, I tend not to buy into these kind of crazy conspiracy theories. It was a bad look. He should have thrown it. You know, if you want to throw a hold, I think they threw holding. Yeah. You know, you want to get you want to get that flag out really if you can before there's any kind of catch or anything like that because that's an early foul. I mean, that's holding means that the contact occurred really before the ball was in the air. Right. And so you kind of, you want to get that flag out as quickly as you can because it looks bad when it when when what happened happened. It looks bad. All right. So quickly, because I know we're running long, but so in yeah. that same game, I sent you that same clip. Uh, speaking of holding, uh, Patrick Mahomes takes off for a run right down the middle. There's about six yeah. minutes left. <laughs> three, and, and these two guys are basically hugging each other. Like there's clearly holding. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. It, that was a bad miss. Bad, bad miss. Dean, I got one for you, which I know you haven't seen. We talked about it this morning. I'll probably bring it up on the show Friday. High school game in Texas. A uh-huh. football player uh, Friday night accidentally, uh, I guess, ran into an official, the referee. The referee right. took the kid's helmet off. He actually stripped the kid of his helmet, threw a flag, and ejected the kid. 
Uh, what? Yes. Uh, we'll talk. Maybe you can maybe take a look at this. And we'll talk more about this on yeah. Friday during the show at Dean Wade Associates. And the kid's father was the coach, the head coach of the team that this happened. There's been a lot of social media about this and wondering what's going to happen to this referee for what he did. Yeah, I would love to see a clip of that. I, I don't care what the clip shows. There's no, uh, there's nothing that would justify an official uh, yanking a, a player's uh, helmet off like that, even if he thought the kid was doing it intentionally. Um, you know, the official has to, he has to rise above all that and, and act uh, in a much more professional manner. I, I'd, I'd love to see a clip of that and see what happened. But did you did you see it, Lee? I mean, did it look like it was accidental? Yeah, there was contact. It was across the middle, Dean. And so, okay, I, so. And, and then, dude, huh. uh, official just went nuts, grabbed his helmet. I'll tell you what I'm going to do here. We're going to a break. But for yeah. your own pleasure, I will send it to you so you can watch yeah. it to your heart's content. How well, about that? That that will be the last game that guy ever officiates. I can promise, promise you that <laughs> if that's how that went down. Dean, <laughs> as always, man, we loved it, enjoyed it, appreciate it, man. We'll be in touch. All right. Thank you, guys. All Bye-bye. right. That's Dean Wait, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Traffic and weather next, and then you'll hear what the Auburn coach, Hugh Freeze, had to say yesterday in Mobile. Stay with us. It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP. This is Cornelius Bennett, three-time All-American College Football Hall of Fame, and you're listening to WNSP. Welcome back in the opening kickoff. Gene Stallings set to join us in about six or seven minutes or so. Uh, so last night, uh, Hugh Freeze was at the First and Ten Club, uh, and obviously the big topic conversation was his comments earlier in the day where he said he was going to miss the rivalry with Georgia. Take a listen to Auburn coach Hugh Freeze. Who's going to ask me the, the, about scheduling? All of us. All so of us. good, so I can clear yeah, up what day over they. Uh, what <laughs> oh, I don't care. Okay, wait. We need to get set here, uh, Doug. Right? If yeah. you could take one small step back. I got to help on mine. You want oh, okay. my mine? Sir, if you could, How about can you that? scoot back just a little bit? Is that good? Yeah, I'm good now. Thank you very much. You ready? Everybody ready? Yeah. yeah. Coach, you had a big weekend against Georgia. Your team really competed hard. What's your assessment of your team at this point in the season? Well, uh, I, I was really pleased with the effort that our kids gave and thought we had a solid plan. And I think it's a lot of things that you can build upon when you watch that tape. There's also a lot of things that we can be better at that we've got to improve on. And we got to improve on as coaches and as players. And so there's a, but there's a lot of good in it. And, you know, it, it, it hurt us to lose and I like to see that you know and uh, it, it bothered me it bothered them and I think that's a good quality but I say all along I, you, you learn more from failure than you do from success truthfully if it's handled the right way and hopefully this uh, is is I wish I was with our team today I've been on the road recruiting and and I probably uh, I've been sweating a lot because it's very hot outside and I've been at practices and things but so I wish I was with my team to, to kind of uh, get a sense of, of how they feel, um, but I'll see them tomorrow. But I do think that, that we will look at this as, you know, we could have won the football game and let's take the good and, and let it build confidence for us and let's take the things we didn't do right that really hurt us 
and uh, and go improve on those things headed into uh, LSU. Coach, this is your uh, off week, uh, first year at the program. Do you do something differently in the first year of a program during the off week, or you have something planned? Uh... Yeah, no, I treat off weeks the same. I've done it all the time. Uh, there'll be recruiting, obviously, involved, which I've done today at a lot of schools and, um, and speaking at events like in Birmingham at lunch and tonight in Mobile. And, uh, spending some time with the Auburn people. Then we'll have two really good practices Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday will be a lighter practice and a shell of it, truthfully, because most of the coaches will be on the road recruiting Thursday and Friday. Um, so um, that's, that's how and get some folks healthy, hopefully, also. Since you, since you mentioned about the scheduling, uh, you, you know, said that today, Sorry to see the Georgia rivalry go, or, or well, so many I, I, words, I, yeah. What, let's what? let's 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 really clarify that okay. statement. I have no clue what's going on uh, with future schedules. That haven't hasn't come to the coaches at all. What I totally meant by that was um, there's a lot of great rivalries um, in our conference, and there's new teams coming, and I think it's going to be exciting brand of football for people to see Texas and. But should there be years where you're not playing some, that would be, you know, I'm sure disappointing to some people from certain years. But I have no clue what the future scheduling is, nor has it been discussed with us as coaches. Uh, I know what next year's is, and that's that's as far as I know. So I was using a hypothetical, and um, certainly uh, hope everybody clears that up. The excitement. Yeah. Okay. Told you. Told you what? I told you that uh, he was uh, just making it up. He's not. He doesn't know. We, none of us know. Oh, well, he denied it. I'm sure he got chastised by Greg Sankey if it was true. You think Greg Sankey called him t- yesterday with all the traveling he's doing? I think somebody called him. Clearly, he even. Gra- I'm sure it wasn't the commissioner. If it was true and he did let that slip, yeah, I I, I would think that Greg Sankey or someone from the SEC would have called him. And said, hey, you got to walk that back. Uh, but I don't know. It was just an odd choice of words earlier in the day. It leads me to believe that they're not flying that on a, on a, on a yearly basis. It just seems so random. You guys can uh, figure it out. Give us your thoughts. When we come back, though, Gene Stallings set to join us. And then we got to get you qualified for the Alec Naiman Catering Party. We got a lot going on here on a Tuesday edition. Stay with us. It was, it was, it was one of the first games she's missed, um, and didn't go to since we've been here. I think it is the first game, actually, and um, so. You know, she says you can see what's happening a lot better on TV. 8.32, welcome back in. That's the voice of Alabama coach Nick Saban. It's the opening kickoff. Mark Heim, Lee Trevanian with you right here on the sports station WNSP. Mark, speaking about coaching royalty, very pleased to be joined now by longtime college and even NFL coach uh, Gene Stallings. He's on the line with us right now. Coach Stallings, good morning. How are you today? I'm doing fine, thank you. It's always a joy to be on your show. Oh, it's great to have you on, and what better than the week of the uh, Alabama-Texas a And before we get into that, everything going okay down there in Paris? Everything is fine. We could use a little rain, but other than that, everything's fine. If I, I'm I, in good shape.
shape, and Ruth Ann's in good shape, so that's about all I can say. Well, that's, a, that's what you need to say, uh, that's right. and we're happy about that. So let me ask you this. If you were going, and I know you're, as of now, I, don't, I know you're not really going to the game, but if you were, would you sit on the Alabama side or the Texas A&M side? I'd sit in the region suite. That's not on either side. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was on the region's board for a long time, so I, I'm, that's where I would sit. It's sort of straddling. How do you feel about this game coming up this week? And oh, let me, Before we oh, get hold there. Hold on just a second. Sure. <laughs> That's good programming. Talking with uh, Gene Stallings. Okay, go ahead. Gene, what's what's the mood? Uh, do you size up the mood around Texas A&M with, with, with Coach Fisher and, and so forth? Do you kind of get a feel for how the people are reacting to him in the program right now? I think I think a lot of people may uh, read. You know, they're paying him a lot of money, and I think a lot of people resent that, to tell you the truth. On the flip side of this, obviously here we are heading into this game, huge ramifications as far as the SEC West. We haven't right. seen Alabama's best football yet, I don't think. How? how what, what's your take on Alabama at this point? I, I think they've done a, a decent job. I, if you would ask... As the coach, he would say he probably wasn't satisfied, but I think they've won a game or two that they didn't think that they were going to win. And I think the rest of the season is going to determine what kind of year they'll have. When, how did you handle quarterback competitions, controversies, whatever you want to call them? I never did have that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, would, I, I would like to have had the competition of two good quarterbacks playing the same position. I just <laughs> yeah. never was. So let me ask so I, you. I, I, I couldn't answer that. Talking with uh, Gene Stallings, how about Texas A&M, though? Quarterback goes down. The transfer from LSU gets the opportunity and so far has done well. Can you address that, having one quarterback step in for another, and, and, and does that change your offense that much? Not really. There's a whole lot more players than just a quarterback, and, so you, and, and you're prepared for that anyway. In case somebody goes hurt and you're down, you you're gonna maybe reduce your game plan just a little bit, but still you got to play with what you have. And if you got 11 players and that's uh, looking forward to the game, you can't change because of a quarterback. Would you have liked to have coached in this day and age with all the social uh, messaging going on and, and the social the media going on and the things that coaches have to put up with? No, I think I coached at the right time, to tell you the truth. All this paying the player and all that, I'm opposed to that. You know, you don't think a scholarship's worth something. You just send somebody to college and see how much money it costs you. I've sent five through college, and uh, when they say that they don't get anything, if they had to pay their way through college, they'd be thankful for what getting that scholarship. Gene Stallings, our guest here on WNSP. Uh, Nick Saban all season has talked about the difference between some. There's there's a time to 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 kick a guy in the butt. There's a chance, and there's a time to kind of pat him on the butt. Uh, over the weekend, he certainly got after him. As a coach, how often did you have to kind of decide how to how to treat your guys in order to motivate them? Were there different instances where m maybe you just had to throw your arm around them? Were there other times where you had to get after them? And, and how can you tell when that is? 
Well, you always coach basically the same way, whether or not we were winning or losing. You can't you can't change your your attitude the way you handle things. Uh, I, I just coached them the best way that I could, and the the game is for the players, not for the coach. The game for the player, and I wanted the player to be able to perform as well as he could possibly perform. It was my my job to get him to get him in that position where he could do it. What do you think about the resurgence of the Texas Longhorns? I think they've done a good job, and uh, and uh, Texas is, you know, I'm from Texas, and we get lots of lots of radio play and so forth about what Texas is doing, but I think they've done an excellent job to this point. Any team out there that you've really enjoyed watching on the tube this year, watching on TV? or any? Well, I enjoy watching Clemson because Dabo played for me, and so I enjoy watching Clemson play. I enjoy watching Texas A&M play because I'm a graduate of A&M and on the Board of Regents there, so I'm... <clears throat> Those the two teams are the ones that I probably follow more than anybody. All right, so what do you think of the Aggies' chances this weekend against Alabama, Coach? Say that again. Uh, what do you think of uh, Texas A&M's chances this weekend against Alabama? I think they're slim, to tell you the truth. They play the game in College Station, don't they? Yes, yes, they do. And that, that will be a little bit of an advantage because everybody there will be for A&M, and they be a few people there for Alabama. The great majority will be for A&M, and it's a great venue to, to play a game in, and it'll be a sellout, and uh, I'm looking forward to watching an outstanding game. Gene Stallings, our special guest. Gene, during uh, the UAB Tulane game, Trent Dilfer, the former NFL quarterback coaching UAB, went into a tirade, a rant against one of his assistant coaches. I think they had too many men on the field or something like that. In your days of coaching, did you ever uh, go after an assistant coach during the game? No, I did not. No, you know we we would have our dis uh, our disagreements from time to time, but as far as as really making a, a scene about it, I never did do that. I'm assuming you've watched Alabama. Do you see is this Alabama team kind of a throwback defense and a running game as opposed to what's going on with RPOs and passing? Do you see that the trend with Alabama now running game? Right. You know, a lot depends on the quarterback. When they had those throwing the quarterbacks, they were passing football team. Now they're running football team, so they're going to do what's best for their team. So I think if Alabama's going to be successful, they're going to have to run the football and stop the run. And, man, they're playing really well defensively, which is not always uh, easy to do if you watched Ole Miss and uh, LSU rack up 1,300 yards last Saturday. <laughs> I watched that game. They have a lot of offense in that particular game. <laughs> yeah. How about Texas-Oklahoma this week? Any thoughts on that? Well, I, I, I would like to see Texas win, even though it's hard for me to pull for the orange. But I, I think Texas and Oklahoma, we just there's a certain amount of state pride in that particular game, so I'd like to see Texas win the game. But Oklahoma's playing pretty well. But I think Texas will win the game. Gene, I don't think I've, in all the years I've known you and we've talked, I don't know if I've ever asked you this question. What was the major difference to you coaching NFL versus coaching college? And which did you like the best? Well, I enjoyed the college game because 
you, you could influence the college player more so than you could the pro player. You got to remember that they go to school for an education. They don't go to school to play football. When in professional football, they they go in there to play football. But it's anywhere you, anytime you you do not look far enough ahead to see that the player needs to get his degree, you're making a mistake. So when you go to college, you're going there to get an education. You play football while you're there. Coach, always great to have you on, man. It has been far too long. I uh, hope you're doing well. It's great to hear your voice again, and uh, we wish you the best. Uh, enjoy the game this weekend. should be a good one. Say that again, Lee. I uh, just wanted to thank you again, and enjoy the game this weekend. Yeah, if everything goes fine, I was planning on going to see the A&M Alabama game, but, you know, I don't know what will happen. It's a long way. Used to when I had people would fly me over and fly me back, that made it a whole lot easier. But sometimes those those things seem to get in the past. But anyway, I was planning on going to the game, but now I don't know whether I will or not. But I enjoy watching them on television. Hey, have a great week, Coach. We'll be in touch. Let's do it again soon. It's always a joy to be on your show, my friend. Stay in touch. That's uh, Gene Stallings, ladies and gentlemen. Stop impersonating me. Yes. Uh, at least once uh, uh, he uh, – I don't – it, it wasn't always, no, it wasn't always that like that. But, uh, yeah, I he calls me Lee at least once. <laughs> and it's always good to get – you know, I appreciate Coach Stallings kind of putting me in my place. And I don't think he does that on purpose. Of course not. Don't rip off his helmet. No. All right, so we have one final segment. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to get you qualified for the Alec Naming Catering Party of up to uh, 13, me and Lee, uh, with another clip. Person, place, or thing. I mean, I'd like to go. I know you would. I don't know what more you want. You get the Chick-fil-A. Apparently, you're getting breakfast, and now Michael, you want to get... Here's the problem. <laughs> People are afraid to invite you. They're afraid you're going to tell everybody they stink. Yeah, you're so negative. Yeah. No. Yes. Only only athletes that I'll never have to face in person. Evan Neal just called. <laughs> yeah, he wants to come into the studio. <laughs> what do you have to say? <laughs> it's not what you want to hear. Is he blocking for you? I think he's looking for you. Well, one better at finding me than you would be at blocking for Daniel Jones. Dang. All right. It's getting real up in here. One final segment. Stay with us. This is Brad Nessler, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5 in Mobile. Come on, everybody. I say, now let's play a game. I bet you I could make a rhyme out of anybody's name. Apparently, I'm the only one that likes this song. I didn't even pick it. No, I, I like it. it. I picked it. I treated Lee picked it and doesn't like it. It's it's, it's okay. It's not one of my favorites. It's peppy. (laughs) It's peppy. It's peppy. I like it. Peppy Le Pew. It's peppy. All right. Here's uh, here's the game. It's called Naming It. That's right. Uh, It's a person, place, or thing. Uh, When we play this audio, if you can uh, identify whatever it is on this clip. I've been told this is easy. Yeah, I think the first person will get this, All but right. we'll see. But the pers- first person got last one, so I whatever. All right, if you're the first person to get Bronner on and uh, on the phone and identify on the air to us what this is, uh, you will be qualified for the Alec Naming Catering Party. Let it rip. If I'm wrong on this one, 
All right. There's also, by the way, that uh, video is like eight hours long or something stupid. I, I've uh, got to know this one. Anyway, by the way, while we're getting callers lined up, want to thank uh, Quentin, Quentin Yardyard, uh, Woodyard Catering Mark. They just brought in breakfast for you and the rest of the staff here. I think you're going to enjoy it. I took a look back there. He's got uh, everything heated up back there. Uh, they're located right up the uh, road. I'll give you their phone number in case you're interested in getting a hold of them. I guess I should do that now. Huh? I, I, I didn't. I wasn't sure. <laughs> six th six three five. <laughs> well, the problem here is, and this happens often with my eyesight. So it's better than not. It's on. It's on you want me to do it? Yeah, you do okay, it. Okay, because the only thing better than you not giving it is just giving the first three numbers of the phone <laughs> number. <laughs> exactly. All right. So it's six three five five six zero six. That's six three five. Five six zero six. Quentin Woodyard. So we got callers you. waiting. All right, here we go, caller. Tell us your name first. Not that that's going to help you uh, win the prize, but who are we talking to? It's Tom. All right, Tom. Tell us what we heard. As a typewriter. That is incorrect. That is incorrect. Is that what you thought it was, Lee? No. Okay. No, no right. not at all. Wow. Let's say, see, no, I'm, I, I say, have been redeemed. I'm, no, I, I'm in amazement because both of you said you're going to get it on the first try, and for once no, we did No, I didn't think it was. No, he said it was. He said, Ron, so, I'm so shocked. I paid Tom off to, to get it wrong. He, he took a dive. All right, go ahead, caller. Who are we talking to? Is this Marty? Hey, Marty. Did you just ask me if your name was Marty? That's what it sounded like. Yes. Okay, yes. Okay. Yes, uh, we've got a terrible connection. I'm going to say it's the color guard where they're uh, uh, doing their guns torch on the ground. That is incorrect. The, the guns on the ground. That is in incorrect, Marty. That is incorrect. I'm still hanging in there with my choice. Man, I'm killing it here. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Michael oh. Bronner was just flat out wrong. Y'all are disappointing me. Hope we get it before we leave the air. Basically, he just said, you stink, everybody. Well, we way to go, Michael. All right, let's take another call. What 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 did we hear in that uh, audio clip? How about popcorn being popped? That is incorrect. All right, let's play it again. Let's Can we play it again real quick? Just cause it's we can. Hold on. Between, you know, Lee giving partial numbers. All right. Fair enough. I can see where he got popcorn from that. All right, go ahead, caller. What do we have on? What do we, what do we just hear? That is bubble wrap. That is indeed bubble wrap. Who are we talking to? Robbie. Robbie, stay on the line, uh, and Michael Bronner will get your information. You are the latest to qualify for the Alec Name and Catering Party. Is that what you thought it was, Lee? I thought it was either bubble wrap or fireworks. <laughs> Either or. Those are some lame fireworks. Well, that still sounded like fireworks. You know, when you're, let's say, not right next to it or something. Yeah, it had the firework theme. But I thought, yeah, maybe it could be a bubble wrap. But I I wasn't sure. Yeah. All right. So, victory for Heim. It, it went on. Uh, it, the first person didn't get it, but it didn't go on too long. So, victory. Uh, we will continue to qualify all of this week. And uh, next Friday we will announce, right? Correct. I believe that's the case. All right. So what's uh what's cooking for tomorrow? I get to talk baseball. Okay. With the playoffs today. Uh wild card, we'll talk some baseball. We'll talk Alabama football with Chris Stewart because he's going to be calling the game between Alabama and Texas A and M. So also when are we talk when are you talking baseball? Seven thirty. Can we make it like six and then I can come in at six thirty? 
I would if we could get the person on that early, but I don't think that can be arranged. Mm. Uh, we're going to talk some NFL with Eric Edholm. Oh, nice. Okay. You like him. And, and Jeff Bauer from Sports Narrative. He's pretty good. He covers football down there in the Lone Star State. We'll also have, I believe, a South Alabama Jag joining us. So 37 guests. No, we're only going to... We're going to be limited tomorrow. What? That doesn't yeah. sound very limited. Well, <laughs> look, you can only fi- you can only talk stinkeroo for a few segments, Michael. So no, I, but I there's so many that. things that stink. You need <laughs> you need a platform to, to well, talk. Of st- I need these open segments to, yeah, to, 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 to you know hammer on people. Wait, yeah. this is you know, the, I'm this just is so negative on this show. I'm pretty sure, that other than the first segment today, this is the only open segment we had. Oh, it's been it. great too. I mean, what should we talk about? Bookends. <laughs> we're we have one segment to talk about. How we don't have any I segments never, to talk. Michael, when you were in the afternoon show, I never heard you talk so negative about people. Though, what happened? Is I don't know. If you ever, I'm. I don't think I'm negative. I just tell it like it is, Lee. I mean, oh, if someone's playing okay. bad, I'm gonna point it out. I told you, I, hey, I told you when the Saints were two and zero that the Saints are not good, and you thought it was this ridiculous prospect for me to say, "Oh, they're two and zero. How could they not be good?" See, where did you borrow? Uh, I tell it like it is from. I, I mean, I don't think I borrowed it from anyone. That's what Howard Cosell used to say all the time. Oh, me and Howard Cosell, one and the same. Well, I hope you go you out both better from New than Jersey. <laughs> I hope you go out better than he did. <laughs> me, me too. I, I guess. Are we talking about Michael Bronner's demise? What are I'm 23. Eesh. Mm. Enjoy. I hope I'm around for a little while. Well, that makes one of us here in the studios with WNSB, <laughs> apparently. Wow. Bronner. What you think about A&M this week, Lee? As far as the game itself or about A&M itself? Well, the game itself, I suppose. I am not a fan of A&M. Oh, I know that. I, know I hope hate Alabama Katrina. wins. I do not care for the offensive coordinator, and I <laughs> hope that Alabama goes out there and wins. Well, I, really I know do. all that. I like the quarterback, left-handed thrower. I'm a lefty. He's done well. <laughs> Wait I, a minute. You're a lefty? Yes. Yes. And so Mark is, too. I, I write with my left yeah. hand, but I, I, I shoot and you do righty. throw football. He's I play golf, tennis, whatever, pickleball, all right-handed. Oh, you have been playing pickleball? I'm just saying if I were to oh, play. Oh, if. Cause, all right. All right. Ping pong. Yeah, I'm a lefty, but uh, not as good as that quarterback for uh, Texas A&M. I am hoping for Alabama win. I would really like to see a resounding win over Texas A&M and kind of put them out. Uh, but again, I, I know it's going to be you know going down there probably a little difficult. You know, Michael. You know what's interesting? We talk about Texas football. Mm-hmm. Do you realize how successful Alabama has been in recruiting quarterbacks from the state of Texas, like uh, Hertz? Was it McElroy? He was McElroy. Was Texas too? Yep. Then you got uh, Jalen Milrow. Mm-hmm. You know, this, all the schools down there, all the great, all those football schools down there, and they let these players get away. Jalen Waddles from Texas. Uh, lot, lot, they recruit the state very well. I'd go far as far as to say that to this point, this is Jalen Milrow's biggest start of his career. Even even the Texas game. I mean, this is a game that's going to end up as of right now deciding the SEC well, West. All right, I can. I'll buy into that. Although I still think LSU has to be reckoned sure. with, but to I, this point, I would say Texas was his biggest game because of the magnitude. It was played up so big. I don't know if this game is being played up as big as the Texas. The Texas game was it. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. as far as college football for that weekend. Are you surprised? Are you guys surprised that the line is where it is? It's like two and a half. 
That's all. Yeah. For Alabama. Yeah. I don't. We might have seen two different things. I feel like I saw like seven or seven and a half yesterday. I'm. I'm. I don't know where you're at, but Vegas M- insider money to be made on Alabama. I, I like, if that's, that's I like the case. Vegas insider because it gives you all these different uh, all these different uh, books. But they all have them at two and a half. I'm assuming that's because the games at Texas A&M, that it's not more. Uh, I think that would be accurate. Because I don't really know much about the line. That's Michael's category. I I don't know if I'd call it my category, but. He's always questioning you, Lee. He's always, he's always. You know, that's because Gene Stallings didn't identify him. Well, would you rather be identified as Lee, as Lee, as opposed to not being identified everybody's, as all? Everybody's a Lee. <laughs> no, you're actually right, Mark. I don't know what I was looking at. Oh, uh, record that. R- run video. What? Who's right? Never mind. It is two and a half, then, right? <laughs> two and a half. Ooh, money. Alabama hammer. There you go. I think that'd be a safe bet. I don't know. It's a hard place to play. I still don't trust Miller. I mean, if Alabama can run the ball successfully and. You know, when are you going to trust? When are you going to trust? You have no choice. When are you going to trust them? You better. Trust oh, them. if they have a resounding performance this week and Milrow goes, you know. I don't know if this Alabama team is that type of team though, because I don't think they have the deep threat, the wide receivers that they once had, where, you know, the quarterbacks would line up and fling it over the middle and sixty yards, seventy yard touchdowns. When you play a running game, I don't know if you can get to that point. Well, it's fun that every game is a uh, is a heart stopper. I, I guess I'll never trust them. Well, but. <laughs> That'll help uh, TV ratings. <laughs> All right. So not Looking only do you people stink, Michael's got trust issues, people. <laughs> oh, I'm excited for this one. It's going to be good. Do you have the phone number for a shrink for him? He uh, may need one after this show. Yeah, you want to give the first three numbers? It's going to be it's gonna be a <laughs> rough night if Alabama It's called Woodyard Catering. Hey, Michael, go in and get yourself some breakfast. Mm. It's there for you. Nice. Don't touch that fruit bowl, though. Oh, I'm getting that fruit. Uh, it's too healthy for people you. People see what I deal with every day. All right, that does it for another edition of the opening kickoff. We'll be back, I think, tomorrow at 6, unless we have a meeting otherwise. See ya!